Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. At Chemist Warehouse this Christmas, find David off hot water at 110 mil for just $34.99. Baz and Izzy, we might be at the beach, but the show goes on. It's the summer breakfast on SENZ. Morning to you around Aotearoa, 21st of December, Christmas week here at SCNZ. Welcome into the summer breakfast, Louis Herman Watt, joined by Tony Kemp. Morning. New Zealand League identity as we carry you through to 10am this morning. Bright and early wherever you are travelling around the country, I hope you, you and yours are happy and healthy. Terrible, terrible, terrible news in the uh, sports news there. Hearing of Jake McKinley's death, the young hooper down there in the Manawatu, that just puts a shiver down your spine. He's barely, barely a, a man, you know, and um, so much to give. So I hope everybody is enjoying this time to take with their family. If you've knocked off work for the year, it's been a big old year, 2021. We can't underestimate it. So, um, yeah, thinking of the McKinley clan, that sucks. It absolutely sucks. Anyway, we've got plenty to get you through today. We can give you a real good go today, actually. There's plenty of sport going on. Just because we stop at this time of year with regular programming doesn't mean the sport stops. We've got so much going on. We're going to cover a wide range of sports this morning. Kempi's here to give us his reckons on absolutely anything. If you don't want them or if you do want them, send us a message on double eight double three or the Kennard's Hire phone line 0800 150 The more of you at this time of year, the absolute better because it means the less of us. Liam Hatt. He's the managing editor of DAZN News out of the UK. He was all over the park if, uh, Parker Chisora fight. And he's going to give us exactly what this means for the heavyweight division and all the divisions. Paul Wilcox, he's the big cheese, the CEO at Allersley Auckland Racing Club. They have got 
Well, um, oh, Auckland Racing Club, gee, I've done it. That's the first one for the morning slap on the wrist. Auckland Thoroughbred Racing, they are now known as. They uh, have a massive week coming up, really. Boxing Day, New Year's Day, two very different race meets with alert levels changing. So we'll talk to Paul about all of the parameters he is working in. Abby Grace Summers, we're we stoked to bring Ab- Abby Grace Summers into the show. She is a freelance uh, football journalist, writer, broadcaster out of the UK, the Premier League. Well, COVID has ravaged the Premier League. What does that mean? Blair Struthers, he played 144 holes of golf in one day, raised close to $10,000. We spoke to Scott Aitchison yesterday. Um, he was playing four, four rounds. 144 holes, what's that? Eight rounds. Blair will tell us about how that went. So much more. But right now it's time to introduce and welcome in my main man Tony Kemp, who's joined me again. Morena Kempi. Morena, Morena, good to be back, mate. Had a uh, had a good night's sleep last night. <laughs> Obviously getting up uh, getting up when the cows get up this morning again. Um, nice to have a cup of cup of tea and make my way in here. So do you uh, you didn't run the nap? You didn't you didn't do a little power nap? No, nah, mate. We uh, we did a trip up the coast yesterday. It was a beautiful day. Mm. Um, ended up just travelling up to. Mangawai and, and Langs Beach and having a look around and um, yeah just didn't want to sleep while the sun was out. Jeez, we get enough we get enough rain and wind and, and and some cold days here. So when the sun's out, make the most of it. It is hard. I mean, I, doing this day in day out through the year, I, I have to have a nap. I, I can't do it. I'm just not one of those people that can power through. Young blokes, mate. Yeah, I know. We sleep through wars. You do. We're we're born different. We're cut from a different cloth. See, Baz just powers on. He's he doesn't need a nap, but I have to. And it sucks putting yourself down when the sun's out. I know what you mean. It's grim. yeah. No, it was well. It was beautiful. Really surprising. Um, the lack of cars that are on the road at the moment, heading around. So I was I was up the far north just the weekend gone, and I was really surprised at how how um, simple it was to get through the checkpoints. Um, up in you. Uh, Uruiti, I think it was, was the first one, and then even yesterday, you know, there was was a little bit of traffic. But this time of year, man, we get, when you're heading out of Auckland, especially heading north, you take it takes you days to get up there. And well, we just cruised up and cruised back, had a bit of lunch um, and walk with yesterday, sort of a, a late afternoon lunch. And yeah, it's, I think everyone's just sort of waiting to get through the Christmas period before they head out. Yeah, it's a bit like that. I I don't know what it was like last week when borders opened. I assumed it was mayhem, but you didn't, I didn't see much of it. Um, this time of year is the best time of year to be in Auckland. I, I realise that. So I'm from the opposite of Auckland, North Canterbury, right? Like deep and absolute just... Man, that makes sense that, now. That, yeah, it makes perfect <laughs> sense, right? So, you know, kind of Robbie Dean's country. Called yeah, Lake, yeah, Like Leithfield, Marky type on your way to Hanmer Springs out there. And so Auckland's very foreign to me. I remember my first year living here. I um, You don't get summer breaks when you're a... And you're a you know a cadet or an intern, you just you just power through. Here I still am. So <laughs> what does that say? Um, no, but and I remember it was probably about the 21st or 22nd driving down Parnell Rise from my flat to get into the town for work, and there was just a sense of calm about the city. And I thought, what's going on here? And I asked someone, said, oh, it's because all the Aucklanders leave. They all that, go to Pahunui or up to Omaha. That's exactly right. And Auckland is busy at the moment. You know, you go down Ponsonby Road. Uh, most afternoons and every that's everyone's still in Auckland. You know they're not headed out, and you're dead right. I, I like spending um, Christmas in Auckland too because for that reason, you go and have a coffee. You're, you're there by yourself. You that's know everyone's right. headed out of town. So yeah, mate, it's a, it's really unusual times. You know we're talking about it this morning about you know what's a, what's some of the big stuff that happened this year, and you know COVID's thrown a real spanner in the works over the last 
two years, and and I and personally think it's going to be around for a little bit longer. So I, I still think there's a lot of water to go under a bridge, uh, especially in our sporting community around this around this pandemic. Well, I mean, you know, I'm not a, I'm shocked. I'm not a scientist, Tony, but this Omicron situation, like you just. It kind of now this is this is kind of like our third time of it, right? So remember, COVID started it's in the in the uh, Europe and they're kind of shutting places down. You go, kind of like, oh, it's a long way away, and then a couple of months later, the reality hits. Delta, similar situation. Just a couple of these Scandinavian countries not even running the risk and going into lockdowns. And you know, the UK is a bit different. I mean, that fight in the weekend, just thousands of people piled on top of each other, and you know they're kind of running the theory of X. Let's just forge ahead, but. At the same time, I know that the UK government is looking very closely about options here and wonder how long before, even in Australia, I know the ashes were interrupted, like the media centre got cleared out and half of the media had to head home on the fourth, the fourth day. So mm. it, it's you wonder how long until we get another disruption. So you kind of just want to take your summer and make the most of it, don't you? Yeah, it's like whether, you know, when you drop a little like a little um, washer in a water bottle, you know, and it's sort of what makes its way down to the bottom of the of the bottle. And, you know, we're sort of like that, you know, we're that, that bottom of the bottle, um, the the disease is headed at, headed on its way down. The, the stuff for me in sport is around the, the Irvings and the and the and the basketball mm. and and what these players um, are sort of setting as an example. Because you'd think, you know, when you're when you're an athlete especially um, and especially today through social media, you have such a profile that you could be doing quite a lot of damage by by not doing the right thing. Uh, I was only talking to, talking with you know, my partner's a doctor, and we were talking about it going up. She's sort of right up there on what's going on, and and fills me in with you know lots of stuff that I've never ever heard about. But um, we're talking about this this issue that we've got at the moment. We, we're in a bubble, you know, New Zealand. We're on an island. We're in a bubble. We we sort of get the stuff late, um, and. She she made a really really good point. She said, you know, she started talking about well, why aren't players getting vaccinated? You know what I mean? I'm, and I never really thought about. It. She said, well, what about all the kids that are watching them? What sort of example? You know, mm. what a, she and you know who exact words are? What a missed opportunity, you know. And and that that for me is if you can't look after, you know, your front door. You know, the people at home and set examples, you know, and you start to confuse people. A lot of people out there get confused very easily, as you know, when you're, when you're going through social media. So um, interesting times. I think it's around for a little bit longer. Um, and I think, you know, sporting organisations, they get organised a lot quicker about living with us for another two to three years. Uh, probably the sporting, sporting organisations are going to survive. Wow. That's, it's interesting you say that because, like, we had Rob Nickel, who's the the rugby player's boss, but he's also the head of the Athletes Federation. And him, guys like himself, Carl Budge, these event managers, the guys that are trying to make sure that the sport can go on, have, have been having zero luck with the government about making sure that things like Super Rugby Trans-Tasman can go ahead, or the Warriors could come home and we could safely travel between New Zealand and Australia, and I think the lack of innovation is what's really frustrating them, and also, it's not necessarily just that, it's more about lack, lack of trust, so the All Blacks have just gone on a tour, they've gone all through Europe, they've been in bio bu- bubbles, these guys are pro athletes, They, the Paul Coles of the world who's about to play in Egypt in about... 47 minutes time he understands exactly what needs to happen but yet when we come back into New Zealand we're quite insular because we're in this bubble and they're very I think we're we're still quite afraid especially at a government level and and a lot of these sporting organizations I mean we're just going to lose athletes more and more out the door the longer this goes on and they're going to have to ply their trade in the 
you know, around the world and they can't do it here. So you talk about the kids and setting examples. Well, from a more of a sport, so that's the health and don't want to minimise that, but from a sporting perspective, are we a chance of having a missed generation here of kids that have, haven't grown up and seen sporting sport go on summer and winter out, summer and winter out in New Zealand? Uh, I, I actually think we're, we're in it. We're in that generation. Um and I don't think it was it was starting because of the pandemic. I, I think it was started because of social media, right? Know? And there were there were other things that kids, you know, when I was a kid, I carried a football around with me twenty four seven. The amount of pudaka trees I climbed to get that plastic ball. Remember that? <laughs> we were poor, mate. So yeah. I never had a leather ball. I had a plastic ball. You remember you used to buy them for? Sure. And I probably didn't buy it. I probably found it somewhere lying around, and I used to kick try and kick the thing over pudaka trees every day. You know, but I grew up just wanting to be an All Black. You know, I just, it's all I could see myself doing was one day I'm going to be a Sid going, you know what I mean? I was, Sid going was my favourite player back then. And um, these days, kids don't look at sport. It's, mate, they wouldn't have a clue. You know, I read an, I read an article about um, a couple of girls that, you know, play for the, the, the Nepal team, the, the New Zealand Nepal team. They didn't even know their father was an All Black. My, my sons, my, my kids, they know that I played for New Zealand, but, mate, well, I got, you know, when I'm, Finally, found a couple of games on on the internet and started watching them. My kids wouldn't watch them, you know. They're, well, like, they they're like, "Hey, Dad, there's other things to do, man." You know what I mean? So, I and I think you're right. I think you touched on it yesterday that the the issue that we have at the moment with New Zealand is we're insular. We do, we don't make you know the same decisions as in Australia or the same decisions as Boris up in the UK. Thank God. Yeah. Um, but. What happens to our sports people is they was you know they they're starting to get itchy feet. They're going to walk, you know. What I mean, in, in rugby league, for instance, we lose five, five to six hundred kids every year to Australia. Wow. Now that number, because we can't play now that we can't play competitions, it's just going to grow. Well, it's almost like everything we were talking about yesterday with Jamie Richards and the IPL and all that conversation. It's almost like this COVID situation is a subsidiary of that. And it's kind of they're going hand in hand now because for there's all these other reasons which usually are almost all exclusively involving cash. They just can't ply their trade and build enough of a future when you've got a very specific skill set like a horse trainer, elite horse trainer, elite elite football player, or elite cricketer. So you you. Uh, capabilities to earn are so much greater overseas. So that's one thing. Park that. The other thing now is you can't actually do your job here because, you, you know, we can't... If, if Trans-Tasman Super Rugby can't get off the ground for the third year in a row, the third year of a pandemic, when we actually don't have that much COVID here, I mean, you know, our vaccination rates are... Well, Auckland's the most vaccinated city in the world, right? If we can't get that going, what is that? What kind of message does that send send to these athletes? Who who's a professional sports person's peer? They don't look at themselves as I'm the best New Zealander. They look at themselves where their peers and what their peers are doing around the world. And a lot of them, especially the smaller sports like the snow sports or the Paul Coles or the cycling, they go anyway. They're used to it. But the ones that are used to playing here as this kind of the opportunities to earn and actually prove and do their job when they're in their 20s and 30s shrink up because it's the third year of a pandemic. What message is that sending? Well, it, it, you know, we go, we go, we're going in a rabbit hole here, but it doesn't really make sense. Hey, like you, you hold MIQ in Auckland. You know, so and on one hand, you're saying, you know, come home and, well, let's isolate you here in the biggest city and bring the disease in to yeah, the biggest city. Right. You know what I mean? But yeah. then you say, but we don't want to let you go out, you 15 blokes, and take it back out into the 
into the rural areas with you, it sort of doesn't really make sense. Like you, you maybe fly them into a Haki air base and put them in a barracks for a couple of weeks before you send them back out. You know, so so you don't actually bring it into the city and the city can go to sleep at night. Um, but what I'm talking about, like thinking, like forward thinking, like there's not 400 rugby teams up here playing in that competition. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if Auckland is the issue, we'll move those two guys, those two, two, three teams out sure. and put them outside of the Auckland um, bubble and give them two weeks of quarantine and then let them play football. Yeah. You know what I mean? And if it's, the Northern team has to come through Auckland, we'll move them south of Auckland. Sure. And then get on with the competition, but that's and so I think that so I think that that what you've said there is that you know I'm I'm sitting here going short short yeah perfect sense I think this is where the frustration lies it makes perfect sense to the ones that are putting the plans towards the government but they're doing everything by the by by the paperwork and Rob Nickel told us this every time three separate applications did it to the absolute comma and apostrophe and nah sorry so what how frustrating is that for People oh, it's it, man, it's real frustrating, you know. Like, but sports people, the, the that one comment yesterday about New South New South Wales and Victoria fighting over the racing industry, mm. fighting over prize money to bring state governments fighting each other, bring to bring the punters, the owners, the industry, the and the 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 race that stops a nation. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, just the the way that they think that sport should be run. And, and, of course, the benefits on the back of it. Because sport just isn't about playing sport. I'll tell you right now, if we never had the NRL last year, there'd be a, a hell of a lot of problems in this country. I hear. You know, this, the social impact that sport has on, a, on a, someone's mental stability. Mm-hmm. Um, and thank God that we had a leader in the NRL, finally, mm-hmm. that just got on and got it done. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to do this no matter what. And, um, you know, last year was a tough year for This year was a tough year for him. He had to close down. He had to move it up to Brisbane. Overnight, he sorted it out. Like... What, what, what would happen if that was New Zealand? Well, it wouldn't, because it wouldn't have, <laughs> competition would have haven't even been running. The willingness to adapt and innovate, uh, Peter Volandis, is not a it's not it's not a coincidence that racing in New South Wales and the NRL have gone through boom periods. And whatever you think about the game, and it might have its issues, but I, see, I, I think the I think the NRL should run run the the game in this country. You know, and if you read between the lines, they say they want to invest heavily in New Zealand. They want to bring another team here. Well, you ain't going to do it with a current. Um, mob that are running the Administration game. Administration here, no. Yeah, right, I do. Okay, 20 minutes past six. Good chat, Kempi. Anyone want to weigh in on that? Where are we at with uh, innovating in this COVID time? Double eight, double three, oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. 150 Yeah, enjoy that discussion with your morning coffee. Gee whiz, down a rabbit hole indeed. 20 minutes past six, here with Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. We'll talk some Ashes cricket after this. You are listening to SCNZ, and it is the summer breakfast. Uh, Baz and Izzy are off. They will be back, no doubt, and uh, in fine fettle when they do return. Right now, though, well, the English and the Ashes cricket, I kind of preempted it yesterday saying this could get messy, it could get ugly. Joss Butler put up some great resistance, but it wasn't enough to keep them afloat. They are now down 2-0 in this great series, heading into Boxing Day, hard up against it. Well, SEN, they commentator over in Australia, our great colleagues, uh, Jared Waitley, Simon Kadich, Chris Rogers, Mike Atherton, and they sat down post-match to give their opinion and their review, their dissection of what had transpired. Australia winning by 275 runs to go 2-0 up. So the fall of wickets today for Budget Chuck Rental, no matter the job, they've got a truck. It was uh, fairly consistent through the day, but uh, certainly England were able to dig in and uh, provide some resistance 
And uh, that was something for England to hang their hat on, although not too much, according to our experts. Uh, Pope was dismissed five for 86. Ben Stokes fell when it was six for 105. Chris Wokes at seven for 166. Eight for 178, the end of Ollie, Ollie Robertson. Butler, bizarrely, hit wicket at 182. And Anderson, the last man out, caught green, bowled Richardson for two to give Jaya Richardson the figures of 19 overs, nine maidens, five for 42. So they're the full of wickets. There was plenty of pluses for Host Plus, the industry super fun for all Australians, particularly for Australia, but a few for England today as well. Mike Atherton joins us also to look back on the test match. Are you going to be optimistic at all out of today, Mike, or are you going to look at the bigger picture? And even the, even the fact that Joe Root himself was almost, almost damning with his own comments about what they didn't do. A beating competitive heart is about the minimum you should hope for from a from an international team. So it was good to see that fight from England today, but it shouldn't camouflage the failings. Basically, over nine days of this series, England have been outplayed for most of them. The margin of defeat in this game is a heavy one, and England have been well beaten. They will take a little bit of a psychological lift from the performance of Butler today and the fighting spirit showed by him and Wokes and one or two of the tail-enders there. But they have to grasp the fact that they are being well beaten by Australia and their performances have to improve significantly if they are to get anything out of this series. I think I'm right in saying in the history of the Ashes, only one team has come back from 2-0 down. And that was one driven by the greatest cricketer this game has ever seen. So to expect it again is probably unrealistic. But England can improve from where they are right now. And they will have taken a little bit of a lift from what happened in the back end of today. What is the biggest issue for Joe Root in your mind? I think his biggest issue is the, the ineffectiveness of some of the bowling compared to Australia, who are relentless. But I think the biggest problem is the lack of big runs, first innings runs. This was a, a good, pretty placid pitch, uh, I would say, at the Adelaide Oval and the kind of pitch where you would hope to be racking up hundreds as individuals and team scores of 450 plus. If England don't do that, then they're going to get beaten heavily in this series. Joss Butler showed that it's possible against this Australian attack this afternoon. Mike Atherton, great to have him as part of the SEN Test cricket team. Let's just get a final word, perhaps, from, from each of you. We'll start with you, Kat and, and Colo. Give us, a, give us a thought each, perhaps, before we sign off. Look, a, a com comprehensive win for Australia, I think. You know, as they uh, mentioned in the the post-match uh, discussion with Marnus Labuschagne and Steve Smith, I think Australia, right from the word go, got on top and, and drove this test match. And it was through the discipline with the partnerships with the bat and then the partnerships with the ball. And I think Cameron Green and Nathan Lyon were instrumental in that when England was sort of digging in with Root and Milan again in that first inning. So a very, very good victory. We weren't even at full strength, you know, with Hazelwood and Cummins out, but it just goes to show there's some good depth in Australian fast bowling ranks with Nessa and uh, Jai Richardson coming into the team and, you know, overall, very, very good performance. Sounds like Marcus Harris is still going to be in the team on Boxing Day from the, the words of the Australian captain. Colo, good fun over the five days. There's been drama off the field with all the COVID situation. Hopefully we'll see you safe and sound here on the Boxing Day. I hope so. Uh, yeah, I share Kat's views about, around Jai Richardson. I mean, is he as quick as he was a couple of years ago when he played Test cricket? Maybe not quite, but what a classy bowler he is. And a day like that, a match-winning performance like that across multiple sessions, backing up across multiple spells, 
outstanding. And a left-field one as well. I had the binoculars on David Warner and Stephen Smith during the presentation. Smith looked so happy and so chilled out. And that wasn't how he looked four years ago when winning test matches here in 17-18. Uh, he's matured mm. a lot as a cricketer, as a leader, full stop. And then David Warner as well, walking around the field with his three daughters, looking like the happiest bloke in Australia. So those two have been through an awful lot since what happened in Cape Town in March of 2018. And seeing them back this week, standing at first and second slip together, well, it's another fascinating chapter in their, in their individual stories, uh, having returned to the team, now returned to the leadership position in, in Stephen Smith's case and, and making Australia stronger for it, I think. Adelaide always seems to deliver dramas, and it has again. How many times did you hit wicket in your career? Uh, zero. <laughs> uh, just... Quickly, I mean, a credit to Australia. I think a few months back there was just so many questions being asked about Australia, but they just look like they're in a great place and they're, and they're getting the tactics right. The other thing that stood out to me in, in uh, what Joe Root said was that, you know, that they bowled too short. And then you think, hang on, mate, you set the fields. You're the captain. They bowled to your fields and that's why they bowled so short. So if, if he doesn't recognise that, then I think they've got some real issues. All right, brilliantly done. Thank you. Thank you. Hello, Anthony Hudson, Mike Atherton, the team there, uh, Chris Rogers, Simon Kadich explaining to us what's transpired in the Ashes yesterday where England, yeah, a little bit of resistance, but a bizarre hit wicket from Joss Butler. Hit wicket. Gee, was not a way you want to go out when you're fighting for your life. Anyway, it's 28 minutes away from 7am now. We've got plenty coming up this hour, including Quizzy Dag, Thoroughbred Update, and much, much more. Right now, it's the news with Trudy for Kubota. Together, we are shaping New Zealand. It's like strawberries on a summer evening And it sounds just like a song I want more berries and that summer feeling so wonderful and warm Breathe me in Breathe me out I don't know If I could ever go without I'm just thinking out loud I don't know If I could ever go without Watermelon sugar high Watermelon sugar high Watermelon sugar Yeah, welcome back to the Summer Breakfast on SCNZ. 25 minutes away from 7am this morning. We're not all Rolling Stones and Chili Peppers around here, Kempi. We're diverse. You'd name your horse that too, wouldn't you? Watermelon Sugar. Yeah, go quick. <laughs> hey, um, Love Racing.NZ is your home for everything thoroughbred racing. We spoke about the sensational promotion they're running yesterday where you can essentially uh, convene your team and try and win a share in a racehorse. So you, all you have to do is head to loveracing.nz um, and slash share the thrill, sorry. The winning team walks away with a 10% share in a thoroughbred racehorse purchased at Karaka via our friends NZB, covered for two years, training fees off, and a trip to Auckland for Derby Day. You entered yet? Mate, I'm in. You, Bruce Boots Sherrick. and all, boots and all. You, nah, Bruce just Sh- ask me, I didn't, I didn't ask him. <laughs> I didn't ask the Philadelphia lawyer. <laughs> Um, so that's what's going on on that front. Go and get involved. Yesterday, it was all about uh, Pukakoi, and we spoke about it, Kimpi. There was a very exciting two-year-old with Paul Moati. We wanted to see you go around. We thought the Karakamillion favourite might win yesterday. You can't blame me either, Alan. I didn't get on. 
Around the corner they come, 500 metres to go. Pacific Dragon from Time Flies. Two lengths away, French Rose. Ala de Vesper in behind these, looking to go for a rails run. Further back in the field then is uh, White Tech, and then further back to a uh, fair share, Haast. And with it, dear John Lincoln at the 200 metres. Time Flies, it hasn't quite shaken off uh, Pacific Dragon, who's looking to rally on the inside. They go to war, these two. Pacific Dragon coming back at Time Flies, and then Ala de Vesper. Pacific Dragon got up off the deck, I reckon, to beat. Time flies, third over. Yeah, you, uh, you, you reckon, George? Absolutely. It's been a by a head in the end. Uh, Craig's come through. Louis, what happened to the horse you were building up at Pukekohe? Time flies. Obviously, it doesn't. <laughs> well, thanks, Craig. What's going on there, Kimpy? Oh, I hope he could have that run again. I think he might have gave it a bit of a tickle up a little bit early. Just, and, but, but, you know, George Simon, great, great commentator. He just... He gave the right call there. He just fought back. You know, if I was Tony Pike, I'd be quite happy with with my winner on that um, that occasion. All the money came in for for Time Flies. Um, perfect ride by Opie. Great gate speed. Got out, put it in the right spot, as a good jockey always does. Mm. And um, yeah, just a little bit soft. So it's funny with these, you know, these two year olds. You want to respect them. You don't want to flog them. You don't want to break their spirit before they get the chance, right? So he's probably thinking, I can just cut all this thing to the line. Everyone's telling me it's a freak. It's a freak. It's a freak. He's ridden it in track work. He knows it goes well. But this Pacific Dragon for Tony Pike um, at the Philly just persistent. She was headed, and you know, good horses, good horses can come back and fight back if when they are headed, but not many of them. No, well, you'd hate to be on anything be- behind those two. They they went out by three to four lengths to to finish first and second. So, um, yeah, Tony Pike would be happy with his uh, his young his young fella, his young filly. Or is it is it yeah. a filly? Yeah, we filly. So she's gonna run it. Um, she's gonna run it, run at the Eclipse Stakes on New Year's Day. So I think Imperatriz won that race last year. I know the owners want a bit of black type. So. Uh, that makes it interesting, which means he's going to get one more run into it before the Karakamillion, if that's where they go. It is eligible. Time flies definitely wanting to head to the Karakamillion. I just looked at the uh, TAB futures odds, because yesterday Paul uh, Moati was trying to skim us a couple of points, and I said to him, what happens if it loses? You're going to have to drift it. Well, they have. Only a dollar. Eight, <laughs> $8 time flies now. Wolverine, the firm favourite at $3.50. I mean, she's the one that's done everything right on mm. the correct timeline, hasn't she? Yeah, Wolverine's the one to beat if, you, if you're watching that form. Oh, look, I'd follow Pacific Dragon, you know, on that uh, on that race there, the way that it does. $16 in. in futures. Oh, I'd get on, I'd get on. I'd take it. I think it's a it's a decent horse that Pike's got. He he'd be happy as that, you know. Time flies came up on the on the outside there. Just thought it, I thought it was going to kick its head in. You know what I mean? But the way that it fought back, and you're right with a two year old, you just don't know what you're getting. So you wouldn't have had a lot of people. Um, although the the bully came out that this time flies was a good horse. Uh, you wouldn't have had a lot of, of the decent punters going, I'm going to back that at $1.70, not a two-year-old. So, Way too short. Yeah, uh, I think you guys are right jumping on at 30s. It's probably, it's not quite 30s at the moment. 12s, that's it, all we got. Yeah, so it looks it looks, it looks looks okay. It looks okay, but I think you've got to go with the, the good thing that's paying $3.50 at the moment. It's, it's done everything right. Tell you it was a good it was a good thing yesterday. It was Nab. Michael McNabb had five on the card for the first time in his career. Um, had three in a row from races... I think he did anyway. Maybe I'm making that up. No, he had three in a row, races five to seven. Won one early and then won one again later on the card. Just dialed in. Man, he is riding so well. It's so good to see him dialed in because our senior jockey ranks, Kempe, need as many, as many many guys like this we can get. 
Yeah, that's that's right. And you know, again, we spoke about it yesterday when they're on form. The jockeys, you you jump on, you back them. You know, they're riding really well. Um, so he's he had the right time of the year too. Oh, Stephen Marshall's going okay too. You know what I mean? So as a trainer, he's, he's getting a few. You're right. Marshy's, um, Marshy's, and he's got a couple he tipped us into over the weekend. Yeah. He, uh, GC, big follow, big follow. And today we're going to speak to Paul Wilcox, but today they have some trials at Ellerslie, and it'll be interested to see what tr- horses are going for a look around because I guess there'll be some crack-a-million types. Maybe even some horses are going to turn up on New Year's Day going for a poke around or just taking the trip up in the float, getting to Auckland because these horses wouldn't have done it in a while. It's been a while since we had thoroughbred racing up here in the big smoke. Uh, Loveracing.nz is your home for everything thoroughbred racing. That's where we do all our replays, form, that sort of thing. We've still got a $50 TAB bonus bet to give away. Just because Izzy's not here doesn't mean that the quiz stops. Quizzy Dag is coming right up. 0800-150-811. You want to play? You want to take on the Quizmaster? Craig, give us a call. Take us on. I'll give you something else that runs second. Go on. 0800-150-811. It's Quizzy Dag with Ashley and Martin. Regrow your hair. Search Ashley and Martin today. You know what time it is, it's Quizzy Dag. A quiz that keeps on giving like I skip a pass. Louie, Trudy, cares and Joe not wants to brag. But good luck to our quizzies cause this ain't in the bag. Oh, 800-150-811 now, give it a go. Yes, the dagger, Daggy, the quiz master, the is master. He's that gets me through the first hour. Just listen to that, mate. He's the karaoke a... king. Oh, you wait. We didn't play Smithy Baby yesterday, but we're gonna give, gonna bust it out again today, Kimpy. All right, let's rip in Quizzy Dag fifty dollars TAB bonus bet on the line. We got John first up. Morning, John. Yeah, good How are you doing? Hey John, how you going, mate? First question: Get us off, uh, get us running up and running. Which EPL team has scored the most goals so far this season? Uh, um, EPL, did you say? English Premier League. Yeah. Oh, Liverpool. Correct. Which country will the All Blacks be touring twice in twenty two and twenty three? Black Caps, Black Caps. Let's roll Black Caps here. There might have been a typo. Yeah, Pakistan. Yeah, thank God. You're on a roll, mate. Here we go. What is the name of Tiger Woods' golfing son? His real one. No. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I watched the golf on the weekend too. Um, nah, gonna have a blank there, mate. Oh, Ooh, okay. We're gonna have to go to Brent. Oh, Charlie, Charlie, Charlie. No, you can't do that. <laughs> Well, I'm so I'm sorry, mate. Well, I'm so, I'm sorry, mate. We well, can't we can't give you that one, can't we? Oh, Kimpy's the Kimpy's the quizmaster. Oh, on we roll. Brenton's on the line. Hey, Brenton. Hey, boy. How what, you going? I'm good, mate. Here you going? What name's what name is Tiger Sun? Charlie. Yep, you got it. Which nation did Baz McCullum play his first test against? Oh, I thought this was difficult. Uh, Australia. Close, but no chocolates. Right, let's go to Mark in Tauranga. Mark, which nation did Baz play his first test uh, against? A very good question. Uh, South Africa. 
Oh, he yeah, knows. Mark, look, Mark knows his bears and his trivia. And here we go, box of chocolates. How many Olympic medals did Mark Todd win? Medals total. Um, shivers. Four. Oh. Sorry, mate. Oh, Mark. We're going back to Mark. Another Mark. No, no. Oh, Mark and oh, we go Mark Christchurch here. Yeah, let's go Mark and Christchurch. How you going, mate? Morning, boys. Good. Yeah. How you doing? Yeah, I'm really good, man. How many Olympic medals did that great man Mark Todd win? Five. Too easy. Middled it. Absolutely middled it. Well done, Mark. What are you going to spend it on, mate? What do you, what do you like, mate? Give us a tip. Oh, I, don't, I haven't had a look, Kempi, to be honest. It'll be definitely be on the horses, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, nah. I, I've got a share in a horse that races in Aussie now and again. I might see if he's racing. He, he raced last Thursday and didn't go too bad, so I might see if he's in the game. Well, they're racing down at uh, Cash Burden today, so down your way, so you might be able to find something. Or we might see if we can generate a tip for you on the text line, Mark. Double eight, double three. If you've got anything at Ash Burden Gallops today, let us know, and Mark might be uh, your best mate. That'd be good, wouldn't it? Yeah. All Sounds right. good. Cheers, Mark. Good stuff, man. Well done, mate. Cheers, Louie. Not, Thanks. Thanks, boys. Not happy with your hair loss. Make today your turning point and search Ashley and Martin online today. Good quiz. Good quiz, Kempe. Did, 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 um, did Izzy get that that sponsorship up and running from Ashley Martin? Um, Izzy's, Izzy's had his interesting... Uh, interesting he, 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 if you want to go to the, like, he's, check it out on the internet, is he one of the models? He's not of Ashley and Martin, but he has had his hair journey, which he's very open about, and he's, he encouraged... Look, oh, he's talked about it, so I'm not awkward talking about it. He said it is a huge difference to the way it made him feel. It was like a massive part of him becoming confident again, and it was something that was bothering him. So if you're in that sort of realm, Ashley and Martin, go and have a look, check him out, because they look after Quizzy Dag. Hey guys, how do I uh, how do I find the link to win a share of a racehorse? Is it possible to text me the link? I'm not going to text you the link, but what I will do is I'll read you the link one more time, and you can listen very closely here. So you search "love racing" one word dot nz slash share the thrill in a row. Love racing dot nz slash like a forward slash share the thrill. Go get involved. There, appreciate your text. Trudy's World. Let's catch up with Trudy after this before we get to the news. I don't think Kempy's experienced Trudy's World yet, but he will absolutely love it. Hope she can sing better than Izzy. <laughs> it's Trudy's World. 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 Yeah, just when Kempy thought the singing couldn't get any worse around here, it's Trudy's World. And uh, darling, lovely Trudy... You're not with us in the studio, Trudy. Where are you? I have decided to gap it to the middle of the North Island and I'm in beautiful Lake Taupo and um, doing the news from here. So up and listening and loving you guys. Louis and Tony, you are nailing it. I'm really stoked. To was that you, was, you, was that your voice then leading into that, Trudy? Yeah. No, that's <laughs> that's gorgeous Joey in the kitchen who rocks out the sausage rolls. He can also sing along a bit of, as well as a bit of comedy. So. Oh, I wouldn't quite call that singing. 
Yes, isn't it pretty? Now, how good was it yesterday? Like Baz was up listening and texting into you guys. Bless his little hard-working cotton socks. He's, he's cool. I'll tell you what he was doing. He was making sure that his seat was okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if you're listening, Baz, it's not, mate. You might, you might be opening. You might be opening up as batsman, but I'm a good, very, very good number two. <laughs> what do you got? I for love first it. drop. What do you got for us, Trudes? Well, um, firstly, I think his safe might not be a seat might not be safe because I'm loving those league stories, Kempi, and those stories in the bus yesterday and the occasional S bomb. But anyway, um, a, a WTF story for you this Tuesday morning: A Chinese man has been sent to jail for three and a half years after transferring about twenty-three and a half grand, which is one hundred and fifty thousand Chinese yuan, from his ex-girlfriend's phone in her bank app using facial recognition by pulling up her eyelids while she was asleep. <laughs> oh, that is creepy. I know he's in he's in jail now, but um, I just did want to send out a little warning. The man, the reason why he stole the money, he was a compulsive gambler, burdened by oh, debt. So as we say geez. all the time, gamble responsibly, peeps. Well, I'd take the ear out of the room. Um, no, I don't. <laughs> but I did give you a tip. I gave you some oil on the weekend. Did you put some money on Mr. J8? Ah, uh, Mr. J8. No. Did, so Mr. J8, chained by Klopp, Sean Clotworthy, went around yesterday, didn't he? He ran third yesterday, and I gave you a bit of oil on the weekend to go get him in the futures, which I don't even know what I'm talking about, but apparently, so I went and put a little slide a little bit on it. So, Uh-oh. yeah. True. And, and what is and, 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 and Trudy? What is that? What is a sly little bit? Well, well, let's well, let's let's investigate your well, punting Trudy's technique. Massive news reading salary, which you can just <laughs> float down to to poor when she pleases. I think you'll find that. Do you still have access to Mum's credit card? <laughs> no, um, I put up one hundred dollars on it. Look, there, there you go, one hundred dollars, and I could re- it could return six thousand one hundred. That's how much of a life I think shot. it was a futures bet for the Levin Classic. So that's good energy yeah. from you, Trudes. Appreciate your Thank time you this morning. We'll catch up. With... <laughs> I'll, I'll do. I need to work on the seven o'clock quarters, and off I go. Yeah, yeah off you just go. keep it up, okay, Trudy. You know, keep the show high. You know, keep the levels high. Ready? Watch this. Uh, right now, we're off to get a McCafe coffee, and it's time for Trudy with the news for Kubota together with. Shaping and building New Zealand. Here she appears. Baz and Izzy, we might be at the beach, but the show goes on. It's the summer breakfast on SENZ. Morning to you, 7 a.m. Summer breakfast on SCNZ, 21st of December. Hope you're enjoying the week with the whānau, wherever you are around New Zealand. Baz and Izzy, they're not here. It's Kempi and Louie. Missing you guys. Uh, hope you're enjoying time with your family. It's been a big year, Baz, down in Queenstown still. Izzy down there in Ototahi, Christchurch. Awesome to catch up with you guys in the new year. But uh, there's plenty going on. McIver, Stephen McIver up after 10am. And then we've got Ricardo and Beaver. So we're still here providing a lot of sports chat. And we're going to cover it all. This hour later on, we've got Paul Wilcox, the CEO of Auckland Thoroughbred Racing. They're at Ellerslie. They're about to get into their big carnival. And they have trials there today, which will be interesting to see how the track is playing and what's going on. Just a wee dress rehearsal there. We're going to talk some EPL with Abby Grace Summers. She's out of the UK. You know how we've been promoting this longest day golfing challenge? Well, there's a guy called Blair Struthers down in South Canterbury. He didn't play four rounds. He decided he'd double it. 
He's played eight, 144 holes of golf in one day. He raised close to 10 grand. We're going to catch up with him and work out how much of an absolute madman he is. That how many how many rounds do you reckon you could get through? How many holes do you reckon you could get through in a day? In a day, I'll be lucky to get through just six going around. <laughs> Go the first six, mate. First nine, probably. Um, he's at the moment. My knees are that bad, man. I'd, I'd be, I'd be, oh, thousands to finish eighteen today. That, mate, to do that many, they got as, as mad as a cut rattlesnake. That's that's insane. A hundred and forty-four holes. I honestly get so fatigued doing eighteen. Um, geez, the back must be hurting today. We're going to find out. Blair Struthers. But right now, I mean, we talked about it all morning yesterday. It was the news of the weekend. It was a new Joseph Parker. Kempe and me both saw it. He looked refreshed. He looked angry. He looked bigger. He looked dominant, to be honest. Don't worry about the scorecard. The fact is, he bet Derek Chisora up, and just because he couldn't get him out of there, that doesn't change that fact. Right now, we're going to catch up with a man who knows a lot about this stuff. He's the managing editor of DAZN News over in the UK. He was following the fight, and he follows the heavyweight division, all the divisions, very closely. His name's Liam Happen. He's on the line now. Evening to you up in the UK, Liam. Yeah, good evening indeed, where I am. Thanks for having me on. No worries. Thanks for taking our call, man. It's um, a busy time or a, a bit of a vintage time in the heavyweight division, at least. It's been a really good year for boxing. Yeah, it feels like the heavyweight division is a sleeping giant that has finally been awoken. I know a lot of boxing fans have uh, lamented just how uh, mediocre, I suppose the word is. It was for a long time. You know, there's no denying the Klitschko's uh, quality, their dominance, but there really wasn't much of a supporting cast. It got a bit of a, a routine. Now it's just snapping back to life. We've had so many great heavyweight fights, and that Parker Chisora too was uh, the latest to add to that. A great year for the division. Do they have a Do they have a, th- a trilogy, Liam? Do you think? No. Um, a lot of, in Britain, a lot of people are kind of hoping that uh, Chisora doesn't fight again. Mm. I think Chisora will fight again. Uh, he doesn't really know anything else. This is his life. He, you know, he he can soak up the punishment quite well. You don't want to see any boxer take it take punishment for for too long in their careers. But I feel like he'll be back for at least another couple of fights. Uh, there was talk. I, I know, like um, certain people brought up the the possibility of Chisora versus Wilder, which is something that nobody wants to see because it could get quite painful quite fast. Uh, but Chisora, you know, he's a, he's a celebrity in England. He's a household name compared to some other fighters that have won more fights. So he's always going to be at the top of people's minds in, in some instances. He's going to main event cards regardless of where, how many he's won or lost. And, you know, ho- hopefully he can navigate a decent exit strategy. Maybe a couple of, of lower-level fights, get a couple of victories and, and finish with his head held high like in London, you know, where he's, where he's from. Uh, or where he trains, and uh, hopefully there's a more dignified exit strategy because he must have done well uh, from a lot of his fights. But you don't really want to see him go in against the Parkers, against the Wilders, because it's it's very deep water for him. I think Saturday night showed that. Well, it seems like he's got a decent guest speaking circuit coming up. Um, the Walters or Joseph Parker, who does he fight next? Oh well, the scene's getting really interesting. I agree, with you guys. That was a that was a much better Joseph Parker we saw 
uh, this Saturday. But it, it was kind of a needed performance, given that the, the, the results are getting, you know, he's, he's won three fights this year, but the performances against Far and the first one against Chisor weren't great. I'm sure he would say the same. So he needed a performance like that, and now he's probably, to get back in the world title picture, he probably needs another big name to, to defeat. Uh, but, I, but I would think he's only one step away. Na- names come up like Andy Ruins Jr., who's someone who he's very familiar with, who's also on the precipice. He lost the titles back to Joshua. He, uh, you know, he's looking for his way back in. Uh, there's quite a few names around. I mean, Joe Joyce is another British fighter who could, who could easily be a good fight to try and take on, and then move on to a where the winner can move on to a world title shot. Um, but it feels like Parker probably just needs one more big win and he can really put in a serious claim to, to I want another title shot. We had a few people texting the show yesterday, Liam, suggesting that Joe Joyce is the most logical. Um, it's kind of all dependent on what shakes out with the other heavyweights trying to match up, right? And there's a lot of moving parts at the moment and hopefully in the new year we can get a really clear idea and actually see some good fights because the last thing I'd want to see happy to the, happen to the heavyweight division is all of this momentum is taken out by a period of stagnant, um, you know, it gets stagnant and, and it kind of we lose a bit of that momentum. Is that a possibility or do you think there is really ambitious, the promoters are ambitious, the fighters are ambitious, ambitious to make the heavyweight that dominant division again? Well, it's always possible. I mean, you look at other uh, big money divisions at the minute, the welterweight seem completely held up by the fact that everyone wants Errol Spence Jr. versus Terence Crawford, and we don't know if we're ever going to get that. It feels like the division needs that fight or bust. Um, the lightweight division is a great example. Uh, it's, it's been a long time since the lightweight division was seen as such a great division in the grand scheme of boxing. And they had all these great unbeaten young stars. They're like, let's, let's see Javonta Davis and Ryan Garcia and, and Teofimo Lopez and Devin Hayne all fight each other. And it's just not happening. So we definitely don't want to see that. As it stands with the heavyweights... It seems to be, at the minute, the, the, the one thing that needs to be dealt with is the fact that Joshua has a rematch clause to fight. Um, it looks like he has every intention of taking it. There's been talk that Tyson Fury and Alexander Usyk would prefer that he took a, a, a fee to step aside, and then you'd get a unification fight for all four belts. Uh, and once that's dealt with, and you'd imagine whatever fight comes of it should come in the first quarter of 2022, hopefully, then the guys like Joe Joyce and Joseph Parker will probably be looking at the summer or the autumn. If they can keep going, they probably both need that one big win each. So if it came against each other, it came against another name floating around the the, 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 the top five to ten spots in the heavyweight uh, across, all the divi- across all the rankings, then, you know, I think it could very much pair up like that. All right, we're speaking to Liam Happy. He's the managing editor of Design News. He's very much in the scene and in the know here. What's um, Joseph Parker's profile like in the UK at the moment? So obviously he has been known because he got that crack against Anthony Joshua and he's been ranked so well for so long now. But, you know, it's fair to say that he kind of did turn people off after... Well, maybe people just got a bit bored. He needed a bit of a statement. Do you feel like this win makes people kind of notice that he is for real and he is still in the scene now? Absolutely, it does. He, as we said earlier, he kind of needed that for his own 
uh, maybe his own self-confidence as well as his profile to other people. He needed that sort of assured dominant performance. And for the record, I completely agree. Uh, and it's a common thing with, with, I suppose, not just British scorecards, but home scorecards. How they can be a little bit suspect. Oh. Uh, no, no one believed those. No one believed those scorecards because if you look at some of those, you're, you're thinking, right? Let's just say, you know, we know Chisora is tough. Let's just say he took those punches but didn't actually go down, so you don't score the ten eights. Take them off of it, and, and what? Some of those judges are actually saying that Chisora was level or winning. Yeah, leave over. <laughs> I think everyone was pretty. Everyone was pretty certain, British people included, that Chisora was well and truly beat. And I think Chisora knows as well. He felt he felt aggrieved by the first fight, and there might be a case. I'm not quite sure. He felt aggrieved by the Usyk loss, and Usyk outboxed him quite handily. So it's just default to hear him say he should have won. But even the fact that Chisora was pretty uh, modest and humble about this says it all. Uh, yeah, I've I've gone the massive sidetrack there. Sorry about that. But yeah, as far as um, Parker's profile in the UK, he's he's got a very good resume of boxing British fighters. He's he's fought Joshua, he's fought Huey Fury, he's fought Dillian White, he's fought Chisora twice. He's, he he has really built up his presence in the UK. But yeah, as far as even outside of the UK, just in global boxing parlance overall. Uh, that performance was absolutely necessary. It's not just, oh, these are two guys who used to be in the world title picture, can't get in the world title picture anymore, so they're just fighting each other. I think Parker made a statement of, of intent with that performance that he wants back in, and he's got a chance. He probably just needs one more big win to make it happen. Just talking a little bit about the uh, fanfare up there, it was it was noisy. You know, you could hear the the Northerners up there in, in Manchester going, Going how for leather supporting Chisora. Um Does it does it remind you of the days of uh, Nazim, the Eubanks, the Bens? Um, are we are we seeing a resurgent in boxing up in the UK um, and the fans coming back to those old glory days in the late nineties? I would say no, because I honestly believe that has been a constant. I don't think the uh, the, the crowd atmosphere has has ever waned. You know, there's always a, a lot of passionate sporting crowds can also be a, a little bit unruly and unsavory as well. But you can never deny their, their passion and the, and the volume levels. And I really feel that has always been the case. Obviously, for it, for it to, to reach fever pitch, it kind of needs to ride the wave of, of success, I suppose. Uh, and over the last decade, we, we've seen some success stories and we've seen some just not being able to make it past the final hurdle. But over the last 10 years, you think the Joshua's, the Cole Frotches, especially the, the Cole Frotch feud with George Groves, like when it filled Wembley Stadium was a great example. I think it's, it's always been there. It's just a case of finding the right fighter, the right rivalry, especially that, really, that bit of needle always helps. And on and off, you know, boxing is one of them sports. It's always as good as its last fight. It's not quite like certain things that have a set season. You know, the cup final of a certain sport is always going to be the, the big highlight or the title race in the league. Uh, boxing's as good as its last fight. Uh, but the crowd has always been there. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense, Liam. That's a great answer, man. Hey, um, can you give us this, putting you on the spot a wee bit, but who is who is the dominant heavyweight in the division? Is it as simple as it's just saying Tyson? Or is there a case to be made that Usyk's understanding, and, and well, it's not like Tyson Fury doesn't know the sport. He's a scientist when he's in the ring, really, isn't he? But is he just now the dominant heavyweight in the division? Is it as easy as saying that? 
it's not as easy as saying. I think it's easy to say that if you're going to do it, and we have on, on the design website, we do all sorts of like, we do pound for pound ranking lists. We do um, like lists of the best current heavyweights, all these sorts of contents that people love to debate over and discuss, which is fantastic. And uh, when, when looking at who are the best heavyweights today, I think one thing we can say is it has to be Fury and Dusik 1 and 2 in, in some sort of order. Uh, you've got two guys who hold the championships between them. They're both undefeated. Uh, they, they, they are ruling the roost. And then you get to the really interesting part, uh, which one of the two is better. And it, ca- it can be, you know, everyone's uh, mileage will vary. But for me personally, um, a lot of people like to point out there was a, there was a very early fight in Usyk's move up to heavyweight against Chaz Witherspoon where he just he he didn't look his absolute best self and he obviously wasn't against a great opponent but then for every one fight where he wasn't looking his best Tyson Fury's probably had three or four you know he was really really given a bit of a scare by Otto Volin um he was knocked down by Steve Cunningham a few years ago who's a cruiserweight basically fighting at heavyweight uh and obviously you've had the uh the Wilder trilogy, which, while undeniably exciting, we saw a lot of scary moments in that for for Tyson Fury. Whereas the job that Usyk did on Anthony Joshua, who himself is is probably the guy you'd list at third on this list, uh, was it was mesmer. I was there at Tottenham Stadium that night, and it was absolutely mesmerising the way this wasn't a poor AJ performance. He was basically neutralised at, at every turn, and his threat was just taken off the table by Usyk. And when I saw when I saw Fury and Usyk had uh, met each other at a recent show, and everyone talks about how much bigger Fury is, and that'd be the decider. It's nowhere near as big a difference as you'd think. And consider and considering the fact that he gave up a little bit of height and size to uh, to Joshua as well, and he, he made that completely meaningless. For me, my money's on Usyk. But, but again, I, I can understand if anyone picks either of those two, there's an argument to be made. But yeah, my, my flavour's Usyk out of those two if they do fight. That's awesome, Liam. Great stuff, man. Yeah, you, this is this is not something that you haven't thought about, I can tell. I, I think this is what you like. It's my lo- job to think about I, it a lot. <laughs> I think you wake up in the middle of the night and you you have cold sweats about this stuff, trying to get your design rankings right. <laughs> hey, appreciate, appreciate it, man. You guys run a great setup and appreciate your time. We love Joseph down here. And oh, look, it's so great to see him succeeding on the world stage again. So appreciate your time and we'll catch up again. No worries. Thanks so much for having me. Have a great day. No worries, Liam Hap. He's out of DAZN Boxing. He's managing editor. Some interesting stuff. He thinks about that Usyk Fury. Of course. That's look. I don't. Do you have an opinion on who's the, who is the dominant heavyweight? Um, I just think Tyson Fury is probably the most technical boxer that I've seen in the heavyweight di- division. Um, you know, unpacked D- uh, Dante Wilder quite easily in that that last fight. Usyk is unknown. You know what I mean? Like he's a he's a bit of a beast. I you know for a guy that's not as big as the others, but he's a bit of a beast. Wow! What's what made me go? Oh, okay. Is when he was beating Joshua to the point his trainer said, "Don't knock him out. Keep him on his feet in the last round." Like and that that kind of scientific like, "Hey, let's just 
let's break this guy's spirit so he has to come back and fight again. Let's not actually end him here. I just thought, oh, wow, okay, when you've got that sort of hold over a competitor in a ring like boxing where it is man against man, fist against fist, like that, that made me go, there's something special here that we don't really know yet, and I think the best for Usic is still to come, and I wonder if Tyson's had a couple of moments now where he has gone to the brink and can he keep doing it. So... That, that's where I'm at. Double eight, double three, or 0800 the Kennard's Hire phone line. Give us, give us your rankings. Let us know. And, and it might not even be heavyweight. I mean, we're kind of fascinated with the heavyweight division in New Zealand because of Joseph Parker's involvement. But the reality is these other uh, weight divisions are as good as they've been in a long time. And we heard Liam speak about that. So give us a call or flick us a text. 0800-150-811-8833. Paul Cole is under the way in his match against Ali Farag in the final of the Black Bull Squash Open in Cairo. He is up 3-2 in the first set. We'll follow that very closely throughout the morning. Back in a minute on Summer Breakfast. You are listening to SCNZ and we're stoked to have your time. Uh, 25 minutes past 7am this morning. Paul Cole, Colsey. He's on fire over there at the Black Ball Tournament. 7-4 in the first game, uh, first set against Ali Farag, the Egyptian whiz, playing in the pressure cooker under the pyramids there in Cairo. Uh, we love Paul Cole. Maybe we'll try to pin him down later in the show if he gets up, or if he doesn't. See how that tomato pasta's doing him. He might have some white bait imported over there. If he's going to make it home for Christmas, I doubt it. He's a, a great West Coaster, Paul Cole. A couple of messages here. One from Mark. Good morning, lads. Welcome aboard. Kempi, loving the chat this morning. I fully agree. This is about our conversation at 20 past six this morning um, around where New Zealand's at international on the international sports scene and what we're doing and providing for our athletes. You know, are we going to have a bit of a lost generation of kids that aren't going to have watched Kiwis compete at the top level in New Zealand summer and winter out? It's kind of getting that way, especially if we go through another COVID year. Uh, here we go. I fully agree. Sports radio has kept New Zealand men- me and New Zealand mentally stable. I don't think New Zealand has done a good job of dealing with it, uh, the COVID pandemic. And the codex has been affected, but at least we've had sport we can watch. And I think that's what Kempi was alluding to with, well, you can't underestimate what sport does for people's mental health. So, yes, there's the athletes and the protagonists that are struggling as well. And, you know, their opportunity to learn and earn isn't as right or as capable as usual. But it's also for the people that it is designed to entertain, and that's us, the consumer. Ask Kempe if we load up on Alan Sharrick's two-year-old tomorrow. That's from Trent. Trent, tell you why we can't do that. We can't do that because if the answer's yes, they're not going to give us any odds. So we'll do that off here, and then we might come back to you tomorrow morning with the information, all right? But we can't spoil it before they open the odds. That's not how it works. Anyway, it's 27 minutes, coming up 28 minutes past 7 a.m. this morning. And here's a conversation that got us thinking yesterday. Charlie Woods, right? We've all seen the footage by now of Tiger Woods playing with his son, Charlie, and the mannerisms. The mannerisms are just striking. They are freaky. It is the club twirl. It is the swing. It's the way they walk. It's the way when he hits a putt, he turns around, winks, and does the old, yeah, top me up, please, the cash, rubs the finger and the thumb together. It is spooky. And we were wondering, what are some of the best father-son combos in sports? Yesterday I mentioned Bronny, James, and LeBron. Who's going to have more success, Tiger and Charlie or Bronny and LeBron? There's one for you. 
What about Aroni Clark and Caleb Clark? Powerful, powerful runners. Um, you've got the fam, you've got the families that have done it in years gone by, but any father sons in particulars and juniors always get bonus points. I want to hear those. Rick and Brent Barry. How about that for you hoops fans? Uh, I want father sons. Of course, the American sports fans are all screaming Ken Griffey and Ken Griffey, senior and junior. What about um, anything in New Zealand here? Who have we had through the years, great father-son duos? And I said bonus points if they got the same name. What about bonus points if they are from played with each other? What about Nolan Troy Harris? How's that? I suppose, of course, you could do father-sons. You could say um, any great sire and their progeny, right? <laughs> I think that's kind of cheating. That's what I want to know. Double eight, double three, or 0800 150 811. Give us a call. Great father-son duos in sport. Tiger Woods and Charlie Woods are sounding and looking and playing strikingly similar. It is freaky. Send us a message, double eight, double three. Who are some of the great father-son duos in sport? And actually, it could be mother-daughter. It could be mother-son. We're not going to restrict it to father-son. Family affairs. That's what I want to know right now is Paul Cole going to war against Ali Farag over in the Black Bull Squash Open. 8-6 in the first set in the middle of a very tense and compelling rally right now. Here come the messages. Send them through. Double eight, double three. We're going to shoot off to the news with Trudy for Kubota. Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. And I want to get to some of these messages on the other side. Double eight, double three. Still got Paul Wilcox to come this hour here till 10 o'clock on the Summer Breakfast. Musicians. Oh. Uh, Joey in the kitchen's absolutely stung me one there. Welcome back to the uh, summer breakfast. Shout out Jane Herman, Michael Watt, my uh, parents. They are musicians. Kempi's just saying I can put together a half decent playlist there, and Joe's had my mic on just trying to troll me, which I don't mind. <laughs> <laughs> Good boy. I don't mind, although next time I say something highly offensive, um, I don't think he's going to take the fall for me, so that's right. I don't say anything highly offensive. Hey, we're asking for father-son duos here on um, <laughs> on the summer breakfast. I said Ken Griffey Sr. and Ken Griffey Jr. How's this from an unnamed texter? They not only played together for Seattle, but they hit back-to-back homers in a game while also being in the same outfield. Unbelievable! That is insane. Yeah, I, I, I grew up too. Always wanted to, to be in the same football side as my old man, and it's been my uncles. They all played um, for our Waitara Rugby League club, the Bears, and you know, used to always sit there on the sideline as a kid and go, "Man, I can't wait one day to play in a grand final with these old legends." You know, they'd say, um, "Yeah, there's some some good ones. Um, lots of brothers, as you know, the Edel brothers, the Sorensen sure. brothers. Um, yeah, the Sorensen." Oh, there we the go. The White Locks. Smiley and... Well, Smiley well, had... Well, Smiley can play, mate. And he never, he, Smiley had all his... He's got a clan underneath him. Mate, he is. Yep. All good Taranaki boys. Yep. Um, and Geordie Barrett, he's going to play league one day and be our answer to Tom Trebojevic. So, um, but yeah, there's been some good father-son ones in rugby league, you know. Um, 
one of the be- one of the best um, the McCrackens. Talk father, to me. Son. Talk to me about the McCrackens. Well, Jared, Jared McCracken. I, I, I first saw Jared. Uh, I played three years in the junior Kiwis, um, and on my third year as a senior in the junior Kiwi team, a young bloke by the name of Jared Cracker came. Uh, Jared McCracken came into the side as a winger, tall, lanky, had a wonderful running um, physique. I think I think Jared at the time was seventeen. It was under nineteen team were touring the UK, um, and he was always destined to be a great. You sure. know, his, and his father, um, Bill McCracken, who's who you know used to drive taxis around Auckland and uh, also played for the Kiwis. So you know that would have been you know a great household to be involved in at the time. Jared, you know, obviously going on and playing some some wonderful football for New, not only New Zealand but Canterbury and Parramatta, um, but, but to name a couple of clubs, and also did well after after footy. Any of your kids a chance to get on the list, mate? My boy, my boy. Um, I remember when he was a like two, three years old, and he'd have a football in his hand and be running around, and he'd kick with both feet, you know. And, and you thinking we're a chance here? Oh, man, I'm, <laughs> you know, I've, I've gone up to the, the local bookie and put, and put, and put some futures on. <laughs> but un- unfortunately, um, when he did discover his genes, they were his mother's. Um, and he really didn't excel in the oval ball sport, my son, and only came to me when he was in his sixth form year at, Westlake boys and said, hey, Dad, I think I want to play rugby league. And I, and I was like, you know, brokenhearted father saying, you could have come and said that to me when you were six, son. But did two years in rugby league for Westlake. Um, I'll tell you what, could defend. Um, he got that part of the game right. And and one of those blokes that you hate to play against because when he tackled you, he um, he was gangly and you know, unruly and hurt a lot of blokes as well as himself. So, um, But no, he didn't play for New Zealand. Could have rode for New Zealand, though, I thought. He's a very decent rower. There's, um, well, I think we're onto something here because the text line's absolutely blowing up. It's gone berserk. Uh, Gordy Howe played with his sons, the the great uh, ice hockey player Trudy Thornton, Alicia, and Sam Collett. Yeah, that's a great one. Very good point. Rod and Tom Lathan, Lyndon. Cheers, Lyndon. Uh, the Barretts have come through. We've got Ken and Hamish Rutherford, Rod and Tom Latham, Steve Bashup, his wife was a silver fern, and to his children. Yeah, there's been some good silver ferns. Todd and Ethan Black out of he now, oh, you, you're reluctant to be the guy that says he could play league, but mm. geez, Ethan Blackout has got a motor on him at least. He play league. He play league. He eh? play league one hundred percent. Yes, mate. You know, we're talking about you're talking about that. One of the most impressive families is the Stanley family. Joe Stanley, of course, of course. You know the wife Anna Stanley. Yeah, you know what I mean. The son. You well, know, well. But geez, I, I suppose um, Jeff and Adine's kids. There won't be too much pressure on them. But <laughs> that, the old man only played for New Zealand for the Black Caps, the All Blacks. Adine, hell of an athlete. I mean, there's some serious genetics there. Hey, keep them coming through. Double eight, double three. We're going to get off because we're going to come back to Paul Wilcox of Auckland Racing Club. We'll ask him for the, some uh, great racing families. He'll know them. He's an institution of knowledge. The Sherricks. The, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Br- yeah, the, the, well, it's true. Their, their old man whose name was Bob. Bob. Yeah. They, Came up with a great saying, Bob. He said, with uh, my head on your shoulders, we would be in all black. There we go.
and I don't. No one will ever disprove that. All right, Paul Wilcox is coming up. Some great keeping coming through. Double eight, double three, even better. Give us a call on the Kennards High phone line. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. There's a truckload of texts to get through. Sporting families, father son duos. Let's keep this rolling. There's some great nominations, so we'll get back to them after this. You're listening to the Summer Breakfast. Louis Herman Watt joined by Tony Kemp in studio. We are 16 minutes away from 8 o'clock on the Summer Breakfast SCNZ asking for father, son, mother, daughter, mother, son, family ties and sport. There's a truckload of great nominations. They would be used to this, would they? Is he in Baz? The lines lighten up like it is, mate. It's like a Christmas tree. <laughs> no, they go all right, Kempi. Come on, one team, one dream. But you're right. 0800 150 light us up like a Christmas tree, as Kempi says. Um, one man who loves Christmas because he's – the size of an elf, and he's got the heart as big as Santa, and that's Paul Wilcox. He's on the line with us now, the CEO of Auckland Thoroughbred Racing. Morning, Paul. Here's a gift for you, Louis. Dave, Lance, Paul O'Sullivan. Oh. One of the greatest training combinations. Oh, <laughs> do I give a gift? Surfers Paradise. Bring a TDI. Oh, you're right, mate. They are, that's, a, that's, a, that's a family of geniuses, to be fair. To be fair, no one better, right? Not really. I mean, uh, uh, unless you live next to a big mountain. Oh, yeah, we've got you, we've got you, Alan Sharrick's campaign manager. You'd, you'd think <laughs> you'd think that we're uh, we're trying to get Alan Sharrick to be the new prime minister of New Zealand with the amount Kimpy prattles on here, Paul. Gold <laughs> Sharrick for PM, love it. Yeah, I'm in. We, we get, hey, we wouldn't wouldn't we, that be fun, though? Wouldn't <laughs> that be fun having Alan Sherrick as a politician? Uh, I would say that the TV1 or TV3 news, so Jessica and Tova, they'd need to be sitting on the button to beat it out. <laughs> they, 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 every, they, every interview, you just know it'll go absolutely tear-shaped. <laughs> they, it would be colourful at the very least. Hey, I wouldn't like to be the opposition, that's for sure. Hey, P-Dub, awesome to have you on the show, man. It's been a, a funny old two years or year at least for you guys, and uh, we are heading into Christmas, which for you is the busy time of year, Boxing Day and New Year's Day, and I wanted to get you on the program and just, just to check in, basically, and see exactly what's going to happen because it sounds to me, and like we'll talk in layman's terms, that you're going to be running two very, very different race meets and two very great Group 1 race days from Boxing Day to New Year's Day. Yep, you did right, and uh, it'd be remiss of me to not say that I'll probably get Kempe about to shoot out the pace of a key against the kangaroos. But uh, no, it's going to be a big old, big old go, uh, albeit a little bit restricted on Boxing Day uh, for crowds. But uh, the racing's quality. We've got the good horses here, and then New Year's Day, those restrictions relax themselves a little bit, and. Uh, we can have a good old party to bring in the uh, new year and hopefully good times for everyone. So today you've got, I see you're running trials there. How um, How's it been for the track team and making sure that the track's right? Has it been easier than usual or is it actually kind of working with less science and less kind of sample size? So is it important you have trials there today and just make sure everything's tickety-boo? Yeah, absolutely. Obviously the trials are on the uh, the inside trials track so not on the course proper, but we had uh, jump-outs on Friday and uh, we had uh, about 23 horses up around on Friday. But uh, Jason's been working all the way through. Luckily, he lives on site, so that didn't stop him from doing anything and the track got its normal renovation. But it's uh, fair to say it's had good rest for four-odd months, so 
it's looking in, in magic touch and it'll be ready to roll on Boxing Day and, and then into New Year's Day and onwards, crack a million, and then the big old Cup Week uh, at the start of March. Hey, Paul, just off the beaten track, what's, a, what's this Jamie Richards um, news do for the game? How good, right? I mean, that's, that's Tony, that's the pinnacle of, of, of the, what's the mecca of racing. So uh, I, I, I don't think people can understand, particularly not inside the racing game, the, the hugeness of that news, like to get accepted or get, get asked to, to apply and then go through. Uh, we were talking to Jamie yesterday and, and he started the process sort of uh, back in early June and, and went through obviously an interview period and, and so forth and then, then landed the big one. So that's massive. And, and, and for the industry, back, back to your question, that, that's massive for, for the New Zealand industry because it really puts us firmly on the map. People know our horses are good, but now we've got one of our top trainers going to, to take the game to the world and up against some of the best trainers up in Hong Kong. Hey, we know that our racing exports, whether it be equine flesh or you know uh, IP from trainers, jockeys, is the, some of the best, if not the best in the world. Today, for example, Paul, I opened my Twitter this morning and James McDonald, McDonald has been named World Jockey of the Year, literally by the global rankings, knocking off Frankie Dettori. So we know that Huge. we can... We, I can't emphasise how big that is. We know that our exports are as good as anywhere in the world, but we also want to make sure that the racing and the product and the industry in New Zealand is sustainable and it is protected. So talk to me about what Auckland Thoroughbred Racing is doing with stakes and do we see that over the Christmas Carnival this year? Yeah, absolutely, and, and you're bang on, Louis. It's, it's now about us and our, our obligation to, to make sure that the stakes are right for the industry and, and we've started that this year by, by committing uh, $2 million dollars uh, which is not where we want to stop. We're going to keep on going, and, and our commitment to the industry is that we'll get the average stake money to over 100 grand, whether you're racing here at uh, Ellerslie or at Pukekohe Park, and and that's to keep the likes of the young trainers like your Jamie Richards and and all the other younger trainers, your Sam Logans, Stephen Marshes, Andrew Forsmans, keeping all that younger generation, actually probably Stephen Marsh and Andrew Forsman a little bit older now. But oh, the, cock it's, it's that. The, I Marsh you wouldn't I like that. One in there. <laughs> <laughs> ding, ding. Um, but, but it's about keeping those young people in the game, but also, more importantly, giving the breeders uh, people wanting to buy horses, because obviously without the owners, we don't have any racing. So it's about really jump-shifting that lift so that uh, we can be comparable um, up into those echelons, not yet at your Everest level or your, or your uh, other big races coming out of Sydney at the minute. But we, we want to get it so that we can start competing on a Saturday Metro race day at Ellerslie. You're, you're racing for, for good money in, in relation to what they do in uh, Victoria and New South Wales. Yeah, it's good. as an owner, it's good to hear that you're raising the stakes. I've, I've got a couple of youngins coming through too, so hopefully we'll be racing for those. But what's your horizon, Paul? With, what what with does you big shake, with, with big shake, Sherrick? <laughs> yeah, with with the prime minister. That's right. Um, yeah, good man. Sorry, Tim. Pardon me. Yeah, what's what's the um, what's the horizon look like for Auckland? With the you know with everything you're saying is exactly right. But what's the horizon look like for Auckland? You're you're in the biggest city. You've got the most people around here. You've got your prime position for the Auckland Racing Club. What's the horizon look like for the rest of the game? You know, does Auckland 
basically, and the rest of the, the game around the country need to like come to some sort of reality check and and all of these um, rural meetings need to actually pull all their resources and get to Auckland and race them more on a regular basis? Oh, look, I, th- I think what you're seeing now, um, and, and with the with probably the Deputy Prime Minister, uh, Brucey. Bruce Sherrick, yep, that's brother, right. They, <laughs> Brucey, yep. So, no, look, Bernard and, and Bruce and Cameron George, they've got a, a really big focus on changing the game up with NZTR and, and where their focus is and, and what they're trying to achieve, which is exactly that. It's about also showing those clubs what we've done, uh, not making them afraid of looking at potential mergers or opportunities or, or ways of doing things differently because probably, if anything, one, one thing we're, we're world-class in is, is uh, being apathetic and, and, and not looking at change or indeed uh, being able to understand what's needed to change the game. And, and you see that with how clubs have embraced uh, Boys Get Paid that's that's a group of young people that mm. are really excited and interested in in the industry. The clubs need to support it, right? And 100%. it's not just about putting your hand out and going to BGP help us out. It's about going to BGP saying, right, what can we do for you guys and girls, but also allow you to make a little bit of money along the way and and you know keep that circle of money flowing so that they're not being used and abused but being supported and, and uh, you only need to see what they do during lockdown, organising punters clubs and getting people involved when we weren't racing. Awesome. That's that's what we need more of to get that generation that, that sort of got lost or got missed uh, and, and get those younger people back into the game. And that that's, doesn't matter if that's Auckland and, and the biggest, bigger populace up here. We see how important Cup Day is for for Canterbury, um, and that region just embraces it. So Paul. every single region has a has a part to play in making sure we we all achieve the same common goal, which is, you know, the love of our industry and getting it bigger and better and back to where it was, you know, the sixties and seventies. Pete, I love it, Paul. Paul, you, you've you've written a beautiful song there, and uh, I I regret to inform you that we've got twenty seconds left before we're going to crash through the ads. But that's um, look, you're singing off my song sheet, off Luke Kimmy's song sheet, off a lot of good people in the industry, mate. So we thank you for your time. Good luck over the Christmas carnival, and we'll catch up again soon. Yeah, look forward to it. Nice chat to you, Tony and Louie, as always. Yeah, good go. to talk, Paul. Paul Wilcox, CEO at the Auckland Thor- Auckland Thoroughbred Racing. He is. An absolute astute. The Kenneth Hire phone line. Call Baz and Izzy anytime. 0800. All this week for the summer breakfast. And Paul Cole, the great West Coaster, has got Ali Farag in all sorts here. 6 8, eight 6 he's leading, I should say, in the third set. Looking to win the squash open black ball title. Oh, it'd be an amazing achievement for Colsey to wrap off one of the greatest years of his life, no doubt. So we're watching that closely and we'll keep you updated. We're going to talk some Premier League with one of the uh, rising stars of UK broadcasting. Abby Summers coming up shortly talking some English Premier League. But Kempi, we're asking for our family affairs and sport, great father-son duos. The text machine's been blowing up there, mate. Mate, it has. We've got quite, we've got quite a few here. You know, the, the, here's, another, here's a good one from uh, Johnny Grills. Gary and Craig, of course, the jockeys. Um, 3,000 winners between the lot of them. That's, that's fantastic. Well, Paul liked old Dave, Dave Paul and Lance O'Sullivan, that, they're the legends of, of racing. If you don't know who that is and you're in the racing game, there's something wrong with you. 
Um, of course, we've got quarters in golf. Father won in Aussie Open in tennis. Uh, wife was top 30 tennis player. Both daughters have won on LPGA Tour and um, one currently world number one. So, um, yeah, man, that's imagine that. Let's go for a game of tennis. <laughs> well, so Andre, I guess, and Steffi Graf are together, right? No. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. I mean... So it's like it's like putting um, sunline and you know <laughs> yeah bone crusher bone crusher together <laughs> exactly Frank and Anton Oliver uh, Bob and Sasha McNeil oh and broadcasting of course in your game I get it yeah John and Nico Kerwin Nico's decent you know of course Italian mother he's going to be a decent footballer he's a hell of a footballer and and Jake so JK uh, stays up and watch watches him uh, Walter Hadley and Sons the obvious yeah that's that's pretty good. Yep. Uh, of course, the Cairns. I, I used to love watching Lance Cairns play. Um, and, uh, yeah, wishing, wishing uh, Chris all the best in his recovery. Uh, the Bracewells, um, Chris and Zinn Harris. Oh, geez, these are, you know, the list goes on. The, um, the Clearies. Now, yeah, I have a decent footballer, his son, Nathan. Not too bad. Played out here at Mount Albert when he was a kid. Should have kept them again. How <laughs> decent of a footballer was Ivan? A good footballer, mate. Yeah, real good footballer. Um, understudy, I guess, to Ridgie uh, at Manly and, and played for North Sydney Bears and, yeah, he could play, could kick goals and we all saw what he did with the Warriors. You know, he went to a grand final with the Warriors when when I had, uh, I had that coaching gig there. So, um, yeah, there's there's a ton of them, mate. For me, you know, the the ones that probably a lot of people don't know about is um, the Manns, Don Mann. Sure. Senior, Don Mann Jr. What did they do? Well, played for the Kiwis, you know, decent players. Don Don Mann, of course, hooked for, was a hooker for New Zealand, played his first test in Rotorua. Um Back in, I think it was 89, we, we played in that game. Um, and, of, and, of course, the Little White Boys, James and Thomas. Sure. They're the most they're the most current. So yeah, 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 yeah. Great, that's a great one. There's a there's a truckload and across all sports. I reckon you could probably do it backwards. You could pick a sport and then go for it. All right, we've had Grant and Ryan Fox come through as well. The obvious one, anyway. Uh, Paul Cole nine seven now closing in on that victory. Let's crack on. It's time for a McCafe coffee catch up. Couldn't get through the morning without McCafe and uh, the Premier League. Well, it's always the busiest time of year for the Premier League or a vintage classic time of year in the UK. You, you watch your football over Christmas in the winter months in the snow, but it's kind of been derailed to a degree with COVID, although to my understanding, they are forging ahead. It's an interesting landscape up in the UK at the moment, so let's head up there. Abby Summers is an outstanding broadcast journalist and um, someone who knows more about the stuff than many others. She's on the line with us now, giving us the update out of the UK on the English Premier League. Good evening to you, Abby. Hi, good morning. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. It's morning for us. We're up bright and early, but we've got, believe it or not, we've got lots of Premier League fans down here. They absolutely love it. We all do. Everyone's got a team. So we're, we're used to at this time of year following along with the sport, but it's there's a bit of carnage going on with COVID, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, there's a massive COVID outbreak in, in the UK at the moment and it's massively affecting the Premier League. I've I've just recovered from COVID. I'm still in isolation for another two days. Um, <laughs> but everyone seems to have it at the moment, unfortunately. Um, but with the Premier League, I mean, they, they met today and they've decided they're going to push ahead. I think this, the numbers just came out literally as, as I've just got on the call to you. I think it was 90 cases uh, in the Premier League registered in the last week alone. So that tells you the scale of how much it's growing, unfortunately, within the sport. 
And what's the future look like, Abby? Like, what's what's everyone saying up there around this COVID situation in sport in the UK? I think that people are desperate for it to continue. I think the, with the busy Christmas fixture period, as we have it here in the UK, you know, Christmas always revolves around football. If, if you're a football fan, and that's worldwide, you know, we enjoy you know watching the NFL games. We enjoy watching the Premier League games. So it's so important to people, especially in these uncertain times, that we try and keep it going. Um, but there's been so much disruption. We just saw, you know, my team, Tottenham, have just spent three weeks basically without a game before yesterday against Liverpool um, with their COVID outbreaks. There was uh, all the three o'clock kickoffs were called off on Saturday. Um, you know, we've seen Chelsea's team massively depleted by it, Manchester United. Um, Liverpool have got cases, Virgil van Dijk being one of the key ones, Fabinho that is also out. So it's one of those things that they had to weigh up whether or not they maybe do a quick circuit break. That was what they were talking about, but they decided to push ahead. And a lot of that probably stems to how many people watch the Premier League worldwide and the money that it brings in, especially over this Christmas period. Yeah, it's not an uh, easy calculation to, to kind of navigate, is it, Abby? There's plenty of moving parts. What one of these teams, you know, she just dropped in your team, Tottenham, or Brendan McCallum, Bears has just absolutely done cartwheels on his holiday in Queenstown. He loves his Tottenham. But what team might be <laughs> affected worse than others? Is there someone that was on the up or was finding some momentum that really didn't need this at this worst possible time? I'd say that, it, it, well, for, for Spurs, it probably actually came at a decent time. They, they were doing quite well under Antonio Conte, but having the break and, you know, with him coming in, you know, quarter of the way through the season, it's allowed him to kind of bring players in, fringe players that hadn't really played. And we saw them do really well yesterday in that game against Liverpool. Um, but for other teams, maybe someone like Chelsea, you know, they were kind of everyone's favourites for quite some time to, you know, take the Premier League title this year. Um, and in the last few weeks when they've been affected, you know, they haven't done too well. Um, and that they've really dropped off in that title race at the moment. So for them, it could be, it could be a big problem. Um, Manchester United, they haven't really played either. And they've just got a new manager come through in Ralph Rangnick. So um, it will be interesting to, to kind of see how, how this carries on over the Christmas period with games every kind of two days. We've got um, a League Cup game on uh, Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday for quite a few teams. Um, and then again, we're playing Boxing Day, then again, two days later. Um, and it will be interesting because it's, with all the fixtures, you know, there's a lot of fatigue in, in, in that anyway. And especially with COVID on top of it, it could affect Liverpool. Uh, they've only had a few cases so far. But of course, the players that were in and around the squad that have tested positive, there will probably be more to come. Um, and, you know, all these teams are in a title challenge. So I, I would keep your eye on Chelsea and Liverpool and see how their Christmas periods go. Yeah, I was a tragic Tottenham Hotspur um, fan too when I was up there playing with the old Glenn Hoddle days. He had the Tottenham and the, and the English team back then, of Gaza, of course. <laughs> I used to love watching him up in yeah. up in uh, Italy. I used to get up every Saturday morning. It was my, my highlight of the week. Um, but you're, you're right, um, Abby, you know, it's all about, you, you don't want a competition that gets depleted and you've got a bunch of nobodies running around just because you're getting your media rights. What What's the feel like you know, from from the public's perception, what's the feel as the teams start to be depleted? What what does everyone think about the viewership? Is it still going to still going to remain, or are they just going to start to get annoyed? Well, I, th- I think it really depends on what happens in the UK if there's a lockdown or not, and hopefully we won't go into lockdown. But the cases have, have risen rapidly here in the UK with Omicron. Um, so I think that if we go into a lockdown, the way that we had it last time, where there was no football, no live sport for three months, it was you know quite debilitating to the people at home as well and of course you have to take 
people's health into that and it includes football um but you know it's kind of what gets people going in this country it's you know football is is life in england um so i think that people will want to try and make sure it stays on for you know as long as possible and indefinitely and i think they had that conversation today um you know whether or not the season would you know kind of come to a halt again and they were all in favor of no and that, that they'll proceed and continue and hopefully with you know these rising cases just as quickly as they come you know they go down and after this wave hopefully it will try and even itself out with this new variant but it's just maybe it would have been a good idea to have that circuit breaker um, give, you know, clubs two weeks time to kind of, you know, just rehabilitate and get better and get their squads back to full fitness. But like I said earlier, it's just, you know, it, it, with the Premier League and how, how much money, you know, that brings in, it's just so unlikely that they were ever going to go for that, especially at this time of year. Gee, producer Kieran said you were a jet, Abby, but he didn't say you were going to quote Ted Lasso characters. Football was life. How good's that? Um, <laughs> for, for, da, da, Danny Rojas. Yeah, yeah, you got it. There we go. Um, hey, for Liverpool, so they, you know, I uh, I wouldn't call myself a, a tragic, but I, I have grown up supporting Liverpool. And when we won the Premier League a couple of years ago, it was almost like this weird kind of, this lifelong achievement that then it kind of just was like, uh. You know, it was almost like because of the situation in an empty stadium, all that sort of thing. And then you add in the fact that we beat Tottenham in a Champions League, so that barely counts. What is going to happen if this gets worse and Liverpool and again City go into like a, a classic duel for the title and maybe fans can't experience it again? Is that just going to be a, a massive waste? Yeah, the problem is is that by locking people down, especially when it comes to comes to football, it takes away, you know, the the feeling of football and the spontaneity of it. And like you mentioned, we we saw that, you know, in that season that Liverpool won the title. Of course, there were celebrations, but not anywhere near to the extent that there that there would have been. And of course, worldwide as well. And that also throws into jeopardy things like the Champions League, you know, and completing, you know, the knockouts across Europe. How are we going to do that if everyone's in a lockdown again? And it just was a really awful time. And I don't think it's something that we can go through again. So I'm hopeful that they'll do everything they can. And this will you know, become under control after this wave obviously dies out, which we've seen with Delta. It, it, it dies out in the UK and things like that. But we're always going to experience another variant. So we're going to have to find a way to adapt with it. Sport is going to have to find a way to adapt with it. Um, just as every country across the world and every sport is going to have to, because we can't keep start stopping something that, you know, is giving people enjoyment, you know, is the one thing that keeps people going, especially when they are locked up at home. Um, and there'll just have to be a way to do it, whether or not it's bubbles and things like that, because it takes the joy out of it. We already see things like VAR, which has been introduced in the Premier League, and that takes joy out of it as well, because you never know if you can celebrate or not celebrate a goal, and it's taken the spontaneity out of it that way. So we don't want to have to, you know, keep suffocating this sport because of, you know, something that unfortunately um, has been put on this planet. We're going to have to try and find a way to, unfortunately, live with it. Yeah, oh, look, I've seen it's, it's like the video, the video referee down here over with rugby league at the yeah, moment. Jesus, it, it takes the spontaneity out of the out of the game. All right, when you think it's a try and you've got to wait fourteen hours for for a decision to come through. Yeah. Eight hey, KFC sponsorships. It'd be remiss of me not to ask my uh, my team. I used to play up there for the Leeds Rhinos. How's how's Leeds United going in the comp uh, this year, and what have they done for Leeds? Oh, unfortunately, Leeds are not doing well over here um, at all. They, they have been hit by injuries really badly. Um, but unfortunately, Bielsa, he's a fantastic manager and we know that he 
is very set in his tactics, set in his ways, but it's just not looking good for Leeds at the moment. They could be relegated if they carry on. Um, they lost 7-0 to Manchester City, which I, I guess you could say is probably you know not maybe too shocking because of the opponent it was against. Um, but they played Arsenal the other day. They were really, really poor. Um, and I think the problem with Leeds is that, um, as I said, Bielsa is very stuck in, in, in his, his ways and tactical ways and doesn't like to adapt. Um, and maybe it's a lack of not having the players that, you know, he, he can implement any other kind of system. But they are very, very open. They're very exposed. Um, and they have been since the start of this season. And, it, and it's a real shame because everyone really loved them. They were kind of Premier League darlings. It was a real fairy tale when they got promoted. And they played great football last year. But this season, from day one, they kicked off the season against Manchester United and lost 4-1. Um, and you could see the problems already back then. They were too open, too exposed. And Marcelo Bielsa didn't have a plan B um, for that lead side. In, at a Premier League level and we're seeing that still now um, and I think unfortunately if they carry on the way they're going they will be in that relegation battle very very late on and I'm, I'm not too sure that they've got the players and the quality to get out of it Outstanding Abby that, I couldn't agree more and, and it is Look, it's an interesting time, not just for Leeds, who are trying to fight their way back into the season, but the teams at the top of the top of the table as well. And then everyone in between, there's so much to work through as well as your on-field performance, which is always what we know in the Premier League can be the hardest part a lot of the time, but maybe not anymore. Really appreciate your time. It's been super insightful. You'll be absolutely thrilled to know that the pride of the West Coast in New Zealand, Paul Cole, just won his squash tournament in, in Egypt. So we're doing cartwheels around the <laughs> studio up here. We'll have Amazing. To ca- yeah, we'll have to catch up with you <laughs> another time. Absolutely. I look forward to it. Have a great day, guys. Yeah, take care, Abby. Look after yourself. There you go. Abby Summers. Um, oh, that, that is that is brilliant. That is outstanding from Paul Cole. He has just won the Black Ball Tournament over there in Egypt. He's knocked off Ali Farag, the world number one. Um, love talking to Abby, but I couldn't get my eyes off that, Kempi. That is huge. No, we've been watching that all the way through this morning, and he, he, he didn't just beat him. He walked the floor with him. Young Coley from the West Coast. Look at that. He's straight on his phone into the WhatsApp chat. Lads, I'll he's join you in a second. He's straight into the mate. He just, he's, he's texting, texting Joe. Through. Look, he's messaging Joe. <laughs> he, how good is he? How good is he? Oh, I'm going to tweet him. You absolute champion, Paul Cole. That is a, a Kiwi doing great things on the world stage. But, hey, um, back to Abby. Insightful stuff on the Premier League. I mean, you know, if you're working through your on-field performance, trying to keep yourself in the hunt, then you've got to wade through all this COVID stuff. How do you what keep a nightmare. Your, how do you keep your, your organisation focused? Yeah, well, it'd be so hard. You know, the first thing you you got to worry about is you don't know where you're going to get the call from the government to, just to call it quits for the for the meantime. And and what do you do with the competition? What do you do with your media rights? You know, how do you keep people interested in in um, the EPL? You know, there's so many eggs in their basket that they're juggling at the moment up there in the UK and interesting you know for me to hear that type of comment from her to say that you know clubs really are starting to struggle through their depth what what happened what happens to the depth of the club you know you're talking about what, what did she say something like 90 players in That's the EPL have, have, have contracted coronavirus so you know that that would decimate the NRL competition it's crazy. It, it, and the thing is, they function. I mean, this is just part of their society. They are just charging on and they're doing their best. But I mean, maybe it seems more crazy to us down here than it actually is in the moment. But then you've got Abby, who's on the phone with COVID, who this is just part of their life. I yeah. mean, it's a completely different playing field. Um, here we go. They've put the official result up. Paul Cole knocks off Farag. He got through Al Shabagi. Joel Mankin, this guy, Paul Cole, has got to be red hot for the COVID 
Uh, sorry, not for the COVID, for the, the Hellberg. I was going to say the COVID, the COVID year of Hellbergs. The Hellberg Award, the Supreme Award. And a new trophy, is it? He's the COVID Award. The COVID year, year Award. Uh, he's right there. And actually on that, about who's had the kind of year, the greatest year, Sports Sports Personality of the Year Award. I want to talk about that after this, Kempi. I've got some nominations for you I want to put together. Congratulations, Paul Cole. We'll try to track him down and see where he's at. He's a great lad and uh, very proud to be a Kiwi right now. It's 20 minutes past eight. We're here with Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. Here we are. We are some breakfast, 25 minutes past 8 a.m. today. Paul Mawate will catch up with in the last hour of the broadcast. Uh, Kempi, we've just sat here and watched Paul Cole complete one of the greatest years, I think, not just he's had, probably the Ki- a Kiwi sports person's had in quite some time. He's been over there. He's won the British Open. He's knocked off the Egyptian in Egypt in the Black Ball tournament here. Um, the trophy's there. It's quite an odd-looking, it's like a big bowling ball. But we'll ask um, Paul, hopefully, if we can potentially pin him down at some stage, what it all means to him. I'm wondering, as he had the year, the best year out of all our elite athletes, I saw today online that Emma Raducanu won the BBC Sports Personality of the Year Award, which is quite a prestigious award. It is. Here is the here's the criteria for that award. The award goes to sport the sports person whose sporting actions have most captured the UK public's imagination during 2021. I want to ask you, Kimpy, do we have a New Zealand nomination? Can we get a New Zealand award going here, right here on the summer breakfast? So I want to give an award the summer breakfast sports person person of the year. Um, sports personality of the year. So the person whose sporting actions have most captured the public's imagination during 2021. And I want to put forward two names. The first one being Paul Cole, because I don't think squash was really on the map until he's gone out there. And yeah, we've we've had these great squash players for a while now, but he's on the world stage dominating. And the other one would be the Olympics has got all the eyeballs and Lisa Carrington absolutely mm. tore it apart, three gold medals. Do you have any anyone you'd like to nominate? Yeah, look, uh, um... Jeez, it's a racing station, so you'd have to you'd have to nominate Jay Mack oh. on the back of that. You know, like you just said, he got the um, the world's best jockey over Frankie Dottori. And Frankie Dottori's still riding at fifty one and riding what five hundred Group One winners a year. So Jay Mack getting that, I think, as a personality, um, he's a good, he's a real good kid, Jay Mack. I know I know the kid. We went over we went over to a grand final a few years back. Me and Alan and Bruce and. He actually bought us some tickets to the big day before the grand final, which we actually didn't make it out of the Coogee pub. But um, I'd put him up there. I'd put him up there in the top three. Well, uh, he's charismatic. He has. He's polished. Yeah. yeah. The the other one, Ajaz Patel for the cricketer. Yeah. I think if they didn't lose that game, like I said to you this morning, you know, if that was Richard Hadley taking ten wickets, it wouldn't matter whether he won or lost. He'd be down in legend status. True. Sir Richard Hadley. So I think you'd you'd have to um, put Ajaz. Patel up there, um, but for me, uh, and just watching this girl play on the on the football field, I think Sarah Hidney is is probably uh. our personality of the year because you know they done some wonderful stuff th- this year. We've got you know uh, um, some real good Taranaki blood in that team as well. Uh, you know the the way that they won and won their gold medal the. The way that they handled their interviews, you know, they just. Ca- though I think if you're looking at a at a personality, how you capture the public's imagination, I think she's top of the list. Yeah, well put, mate. Uh, going back to the Olympics, I mentioned Lisa Carrington, but you're right, the Golden Girls, those sevens girls, and and just the way they went about it. So we're asking here, um, if you've just tuned in, who would New Zealand sports personality of the year be? And I think Paul Cole would be a red hot 
a red hot crack. Here's the criteria. The award's going to go to the person who, persons whose sporting actions have captured the New Zealand New Zealand's public's imagination during 2021 the best. So what have we had this year? We've had a World Test Championship final, but it's a team, would you say, Kane? Uh, I understand where you're going with Ajaz Patel. We, we won the America's Cup. Jeez, what about Grant Dalton? If you text that, we might think you're having a, having a wind-up. Double eight, double three, <laughs> or 0800 150 811 on the Kennard's Hire phone line. Who is New Zealand's sports personality of the year? For me, Paul Cole goes real close. Uh, Kempi's just come up with Sierra Hidani, James McDonald, Ajaz Patel. Who are your nominations? Send them through. Double eight, double three. We would absolutely love to hear hear them. Um, oh, I think what Paul Cole's achieved, a kid from the West Coast out there in Egypt against the Egyptians, I mean, this is crazy. This I don't think we quite grasp how big this is. Just watching the just watching the presentations here, they they've fallen over themselves. The Egyptians, they I don't think they expected Coley to win this. They, he's um, yeah. I I hope they sort of handle it a little bit better than what it looks like on telly, and give this <laughs> give Coley the accolades that he deserves. But um, mate, he's he's it's absolutely like smashed. It is, mate. It's. Yeah, I think they I think they thought their number one was going to just walk walk through the park with that one. But um, yeah, that's sport. Hey, Staffy's come through with a great nomination. We'll get to that on the other side. New Zealand Sports Personality of the Year. Emma Raducanu has won the BBC, the prestigious award for the Beeb, uh, the UK Sports Personality of the Year, of course, um, knocking off the US Open for the first time in forever. So that's where we're going with it. Who do you think it is? Double eight, double three, oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. We're going to be back after this news with Trudy for Kubota. Together we are shaping and building Aotearoa. Welcome back into the summer breakfast, 27 minutes away from 9am this morning here till 10 o'clock before Stephen McIver takes over. Double eight double three oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. Text and phone lines. We're asking you for your New Zealand sports personality of 2021. Paul Cole winning the Black Bull Squash Open. He's my nomination. Staffy has come through with Ruby Tui. Staffy, always listening, always working. Appreciate your nomination there, mate. Uh, before we get back to Kempi and work out who else we can chuck in the mix, we're going to get some headlines with our man Kez. Kez, you're out the back, mate. What's going on in the world? Well, just uh, following off of Abby's chat around COVID and the EPL, it's uh, looking unfortunate that Rafael Nadal might not be able to repeat of his uh, 2009 Australian Open. He's got COVID as well. and. Funny story is, look, he was he was out with a dinner and he was uh, seen taking a photo and he had no mask on, but he was with the ex-monarch of Spain, Juan Carlos I. So, bit of scandal going on down there in Spain. So I'm not looking, <laughs> not looking a bit likely for him to go to the uh, Aussie Open and have a repeat of the 2009. The one that caught my eye though, Louis, I'm not, not much of an NFL guy, but I know one when I see one. Uh, checked, uh, checked the scores yesterday and saw the Saints were up against the Buccaneers and I thought, oh wow, Tom Brady must not be playing. But no, first time in 15 years, Tom Brady shut down. Louis, was that, is that something that, that you thought well, So he happened? hasn't scored a point. No. So the, the Saints ended up coming in and finishing 9-0 against the Bucks. So Tom Brady, first time. No, not the first time in his career. First time in 15 years since he's uh, shut down. Kimby, you'd even know that's not good. 
Yeah, no. <laughs> oh, look, we should get this guy on more often and put me to sleep then. <laughs> yep, there's my mic going off. There yeah. you go. Thanks, boys. Oh, Jeez, <laughs> he's cut you in half there, kids. That's brutal. Um, no, look, Tom Brady, to be fair, that's not something that he would have done to How old is Tom Brady? I, I, yeah, I read 50. an article. I read, well, I read an article that he'd be playing. Frankie Dettori's age. Yeah, he's he's fit as a fiddle. He reckons uh, under the current um, circumstances, he'd be able to go around till he's fifty-five. True story. No, it's, you can't uh, play a context for your fifty-five. Words from Tom Brady himself. How old are you, Kimpy? Uh, thirty-five. Yeah, yeah. Um, how about this message? Always thirty-five. Always thirty-five in in the ticker. How about this message from Brett here? Give us this one. Yeah, look, he wants to chuck a vote in for the Olympic bronze medal winner. Zatira, is that how you say it? Zatira, world champion. He's a good one. Or is his cover boundary sweeper in the up-and-coming horse uh, commentator Hayden Wild? I'm, look, I'm, have you ever tried commentating a horse race? Um, I have. It's hard. Oh, mate, it's tough. I don't know how they do it. If they can, you know, oh. I know they're following the colours, but, you know, they're very, very good at it. So, yeah, this... That's a couple of good ones uh, in there, and all the best for Hayden too. Let's uh, let's hope that um, he continues his good work. Yeah, well, he's so he's back in. I saw he was back in Fakatane sharing the the bronze medal around. So he got back in the country. So that's where the horse. Thanks for your message here, Brett. That's where that's come from. He was at the Rotorua. Um, I don't know what holiday park it is or the MIQ facility, but it's right on Arwada Park. Oh yes. And so they were running trials, and Brett's text text her. He said, "Go." He's like fair income. Go check out, um, <laughs> go check out Hayden Wild's Instagram story, and he's filming the horses going round, and he's commentating them. And he doesn't know any, he, all he's got is numbers, and he's like, here comes one, one, now two, now three, now three, and and it was it was brilliant stuff. Brilliant. So we got him on the show. So he's an up and comer. Clayton's text through James McDonald, all caps exclamation mark. I mean, just put. Well, it, on. it is a hard one to it is a hard one to beat, mate. When you this. You, you mentioned that what New Zealand's done this year. Look, the sailing, mm-hmm. you know, up against all the money in the world. Alingi's come back into, into that. So um, it's going to be a hard one next time. But they come down to New Zealand and, of course, the Kiwi boys who are on all the best yachts of, are dominating the, the money world and the sailing. James McDonald, mate, seriously, goes goes out and becomes a world name in front of Frank Frankie Dettori. Anyone, anyone, people playing marbles will know who Frankie Dettori is. So that's where James McDonald's name's going. Is he's going to be on the lips of everybody? I think it's uh, quite hard to actually grasp. But here's the so, I'll cite the source here: TRC Global Rankings, Thoroughbred Racing Commentary Global Rankings is kind of the the place where they run the, the analytics, they crunch all the numbers, and they come up with James Willoughby, and he comes up with what's going on. And he's literally come up with. And this last year, James McDonald was ninth in the world global world rankings for jockeys and and you might think oh, i thought he was the best in the world well i think we kind of get a little bit insular to use that word again about new zealand and race and australian racing in europe and in you know even france germany italy uh england of course uh america it is huge and these jockeys going around the william buicks the ryan moores the christophe lamars uh lemaires um these guys the erad or teasers like these guys are truly global stars. So James McDonald has leapfrogged them from last year to this year, from ninth to first, aided by Nature Strip, Zaki, Very Elegant. Think about the partnerships he's had this year. Well, they, they don't call it the Sport of Kings for nothing. You know what I mean? He's 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 rubbing shoulders with the the sheiks and the and the, and the 
and the royalty of the the European markets. You know what I mean? The, all through the all through the Australian circuits, James McDonald has he's mate, he's writing checks every day. That boy. Yeah, and uh, too right, he's a good Kiwi lad. So maybe he is the New Zealand sports personality of the year. Double eight, double three. Who is your New Zealand sports personality of the year? Emirata Kanu has notched up that prestigious award over in the UK. After this, we're going to talk to Blair Struthers. Geez, he could go close after. Get... He played a hundred. Yeah. I just want to give you just before you get to Blair. I just want to give you one more um, father son duo, which. You know, I just got a reminder of it, but I was actually, if you were going to ask me the question, who is my top father-son duo, they actually come from my hometown. Waitata. And that's right. Um, and this, the father was my one of my mentors growing up. I was you know, playing rugby league, but I also played softball in the summer. I was making all the New Zealand teams. Um, and my coach was Murray Martin, who's on the New Zealand um, senior, senior tour as a, as a very, very good golfer. Um, and he was a decent softballer too, but his son, Jared Martin, mm. is a Hall of Famer. So um, this is a family that I grew up with. Jared used to actually lace my boots up, um, oh, my wow. cleats up back in those days. Um, and, of course, the rest of history has gone on one won numerous world titles, um, yeah. got, got inducted into the Hall of Fame. I think it was not last year, the year before. So they're Waitara. And they're, they're Waitara people, father and son. So, But the family, the Martin family, my, my the uncle, one of my uncle, Pa Kemp, married married. Um, Murray's sister, so there is a family connection in there so too. So you're part of the dynasty, and and of course you know, in, down in Taranaki, you've got Paul Martin played ten for Taranaki. Um, Tony Martin's a, a pro- prolific golfer, uh, and and Tony Martin, the younger the youngest brother of Moore's, is one of Taranaki's best surfers back in the day. So um, yeah, if we're talking father and sons, apart from the Going Brothers, who I grew up idolising. Uh, I'd have to say my top pick would be Murray Martin and Jared Martin. Beautiful. Well said, Kempe. Glad we could get that in there. Blair Struthers played 144 holes of golf in one day, raised close to $10,000, One four four holes in one day. We're going to find out how he did it after this. Yeah, welcome back into uh, Summer Breakfast on SCNZ. We are 14 minutes away from 9am this morning. I uh, just sat here and watched Paul Cole win quite an impressive tournament. Kempe, how's this for a message? Hey, boys, anyone made the link Paul Cole playing in the Black Ball Open and the famous Black Ball on the coast just out of Greymouth, Black Ball Hilton and Black Ball Salami from Mark? Is this – is that real? Great sponsor. Great sponsor on the front of your top. Yeah, yeah, that's real, mate. The Black Ball Salami from the West Coast. Um, just done a Google. Yep. Company Limited, West Coast Perfection, Black Bull Salami. Oh, I bet you it's beautiful too, mate. Black Bull, Black Bull Salami with some white bait fritters. Oh, yeah. That is that is quite <laughs> remarkable. So that's a, That is an Alan Sherrick mix, that one. <laughs> salami and white bait. We'll have to figure out if we can pin Colsey down. We'll have to ask him, did you know that you – is that why you won the tournament? You, well, if you're if you're managing um, Coley too, you go straight ball, uh, sh- straight ball, straight to black ball salami, and say, mate, imagine imagine the amount of hits you will get on your side if you had well, that. He might get some contra, like if he might you had get that some, on your shirt. He might get some um, salami with his tomato pasta, but I don't know how much cash the black ball salami have to <laughs> throw around at international sports stars. Anyway, let's forge on Blair Struthers. Uh, we've been talking about the longest day golf challenge, right, for the Cancer Society and raising good money for a cause. Came across an article yesterday, a bloke, Blair Struthers. He didn't just play four rounds of golf. He played the eight. 
Yeah, not eight holes, 144 holes. He's on the line with us now. Morning, Blair. Morning. Is this is, this is Mate, true? how bad's a chafe? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. No, the chafe's all right, actually. <laughs> no, the, the body body held up pretty well, considering. Well, yeah, well, considering 144 holes of golf. All right, let's 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 run some math here. How long did it take you? Uh, it took me 14 hours to complete it, so teed off at 5.30 in the morning and finished up at 7, 7.30 at night. And were you walking, kind of power walking to keep a pace, or did you, was it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, she was a pretty steady pace. Um, th- throughout the day, there was quite a few people that turned up to come watch that uh, that actually <laughs> gave up following me around because they couldn't keep up. <laughs> Mate, great, uh, great, yeah. in- great initiative. Um, how much did you raise? Uh, so I, at this stage, I still have money coming in. Um, I think the account. For the Cancer Society, sitting over seven thousand, um, okay. saw about another two thousand, two thousand to collect just from pledges, and then with the likes of this sort of stuff that's going on, and and the newspaper getting involved, um, there's a lot of sort of random donations coming in, which is awesome. So, um, initially I was going for five thousand, and it looks like I'm going to double it. So. Good oh, man. Brilliant, mate. We'll, we'll work yeah. out how we can donate at the end, so people stay tuned if you want to know how you can help out, Blair, because this is pretty incredible. But I'm, I'm actually blown away with the feat itself. So h- how did you prepare for this? Because people don't just turn up and run a marathon, right? So w- did you try? <laughs> did you test the waters and try to play three, fours, three four <laughs> rounds in a, a day or something? Uh, absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um, Oh yeah, so I, I did a bit of a bit of local sort of um, tramping and stuff, just some some hill climbs and, and things like that, just to really try and strengthen my legs in terms of fatigue. Um, but yeah, I probably didn't do as much as I should have. It was more it was more the me- the mental side of it um, put me through on the day. And so take so take us through it, mate. Take us through the ups, the highs, and the lows of the day, like the the recovery. Uh, yeah, well, pretty much, well, from the word go, so, yeah, 5 o'clock in the morning I got over to the golf course and it was absolutely bucketing down with rain. Perfect. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, so, but the thing was, like, I, I was already mentally switched that, that I was doing it no matter what. Um, so, yeah, we, we just got stuck in. Um, I had three people turn up at 5.30 in the morning to cheer me on and, and get me going, which was absolutely awesome. Um, one of those fellas, uh, Tom, a mate of mine, he actually stuck around for six hours. He, he didn't leave till 11.30. We played all through the rain with me, just pushing me along, throwing me clubs when I needed it. Um, so I think that was that was the biggest thing that got me through the day was just having different people come and go, different bits of support just to, you know, pick me up. Um, throughout the whole day, there was actually only six holes that I played genuinely on my own. And, and that was probably the hardest, actually, having to mm. try keep going by myself. Okay, Blair, yeah, it, that, that makes sense, Blair. I, I tell you what, I would struggle with multiple things here, but losing balls because I got terrible eyesight and I don't necessarily hit it straight. How many balls did you go through, and what was the best shot you hit all day? Um, I actually, I only I lost one ball the whole day. What? And it was Impressive. on the 11th, It was on. It was on the eleventh hole on the. First round, so I played 133 holes with the same ball. That so you you must be pretty handy. What are you playing off? 
on on the course, I play off a zero. Uh, yeah, my handicap index is down in the twos. Oh, yeah, so, right. <laughs> Yeah, so you're not yeah, necessarily you're not, you're not going to lose balls. You're not, yeah. you're not necessarily losing pills. Um, what was the best shot you had all day? Did you ever go close to holding one? Uh, the the closest I got to holding one was on my last round on the second third last hole. I was about two feet short. <laughs> um, but 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 the wet greens there, there was no run for the whole day. It was wherever the ball landed. That's that's where it was. Um, uh, but but the, probably the best shot I played all day. Would have been about uh, two thirty out on a par five, and I only just missed the pin for an albatross. <laughs> oh wow, Lee, that's a good sample size as well, mate. Hey, that is extremely impressive. I'm so surprised how good spirited you sound now. I probably need a spell for about three years from golf after that many <laughs> that, that many rounds. How do people donate quickly, buddy? Uh, yeah, so if they jump on the longest day golf um, website and just search player and search Blair Struthers. Um, it's, it's so easy to do. You just need a card with you and, um, yeah, just, just donate because it, it all goes to a good cause. Blair Struthers, everybody go search that. That's incredible. Scotty, good work, Blair. Our, go get a message. Yeah, go get a message. Our lad Scotty Aitchison <laughs> did four yesterday, and I, and I know he'll be feeling it today, but congratulations, man. Awesome cause. Awesome. No, thank you. There you go. Blair Struthers, that's... Crazy. And he didn't even really sound like he was that phased about it. And uh, that's incredible. What a, what a champion Kiwi. Go donate. Search Blair Struthers on uh, the Longest Day Challenge and uh, go help him. We love supporting great Kiwis doing great things. We'll be back to wrap up the hour and forge ahead into our fourth up after this. You're listening to the SCNZ Summer Breakfast, Tony Kemp and Louis Herman Watt. Is there an NBA player that spends more time writhing around on the ground than Anthony Davis? Well, he suffered an MCL sprain in his left knee. I'm just seeing on uh, ESPN Sports Centre right now. This could not come at worse time for the Lakers. They are in trouble here. It's not like they've been. Co- There's not been any cohesion on the court. His season AD has not been had with any momentum. Struggling. Shooting percentages are down. Doesn't really. He looks like he's bulked up. He's put more weight on. He's kind of lost that nimble kind of baby giraffe aspect he used to have. And now he's got an MCL sprain. He's out for four weeks, a full month. Then by the time he comes back, the cohesion with LeBron, uh, Russell Westbrook, it's fair to say that experiment hasn't really worked. Double eight, double three. Hoops fans, how much trouble are the Lakers in here? For me, this has just come at a gnarly time, the busy period through Christmas. That's a shambles. Anyway... I guess LeBron will work it out. Isn't he the best GM in the league as well as the best player? Yeah, <laughs> are in trouble here. All right, we're coming up to 9 a.m. We're going to try track Paul Cole down. I know we all go smash him at Cafe Coffee. Right now, it's the news with Trudy for Kubota. Together, we are shaping and building New Zealand. SCNZ. Kempi, uh, Tony Kemp's with us here on the Summer Breakfast. Welcome in 9 o'clock hour. Kempi, you're, uh, you're not too half worried with our music choice on Baz and Izzy for breakfast now. Mate, the, I'm worried. I'm, the next part I'm having, I'm getting you along, mate. You can run the, you can run the decks. Yeah. Oh, for I'm sure. Che- I'm cheap as well. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Well, my cheap is free. <laughs> 
You um, what, what sort you of? You get an invite. That's good enough. Yeah, that is sure. You hear that? That's um, that's gone nationwide on SCNZ via the SCNZ app. So I've got witnesses. I've got about however many of them there are. Uh, welcome to you. It's Christmas week here on SCNZ Breakfast. Thank you for your time this morning. You'd be a big Christmas man, wouldn't you, Kimby? Oh, mate, don't don't get me started. I've actually got to go back and pick my daughter up. Um, straight after this, she said to me, "Oh, can we go and get the presents today?" And I'm, uh, this was yesterday. And I'm How like, old is she? Uh, she's thirteen. She's, oh, um, she's, she's, and I've just gone. It was actually f- like ten to five, and I said, "No, nah, all the shops are shut," and <laughs> they weren't. But um, yeah, and no, I can't get out of it today. So she's already texted me this morning, and straight from here, straight to pick her up and head up, uh, head up and and buy the buy the bride some presents and who, who I'll just say, look, what do we get? And she she just takes me along and says, "Well, we'll get that for this." Yeah, and you just this it's for just that. the the bank of the bank of dad. Yeah, just give her the just give her the card and let her go crazy. You know, getting getting our presents, put our name on the card, and yeah, yeah, yeah. and hopefully I I don't miss anyone. So pity she can't drive herself there as well. Oh, she'll be driving. She's thirteen. She'll be driving by the by uh, by February. Hundred <laughs> percent. She had her first lesson on the weekend. How's she True go? story. Yeah, pretty yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep, pretty good. Yep, she, you know, the car didn't move anywhere, but she had her first lesson. Oh, so it's more yeah. about um, understanding of what the, what we're trying that's to achieve exactly here. exactly right, yeah. Which is not add to the road toll. Cause that like gets, how to start a car. Yeah, oh, well, that's, and that's exactly it. Mm. These are the things you need to learn. Um, Michael Jones and whatever his son's name is from Dave, uh, yes. Yes, Michael Jones had a son that was very, very good playing for or one of the Auckland schools recently. I know who you're talking about there, Dave. Anyone knows Michael Jones' son? We've been talking father-son duos. We've been talking about who your New Zealand sports personality of the year is. And um, you can keep coming through on the Kennards. Here's a good one. Line. Here's a good one for you. Johnny Lomax and Tyrell. Yeah, League Union crossover. League Union crossover. Yep, good Wainuia Mata boys. Um, Kenny Laban would be happy. I'll put that one in there. Give him a plug. Yeah, that's that's not a bad one. There would be a few. Uh, I'm trying to think of any other league. I mean, we've got lots of league union converts or vice versa, but there surely would be some split families. I'm just trying to think. Oh, uh, well, the Frizzell, Schuster's T- the Tyson, Tyson and Shannon Frizzell? Yep, 100%. Yep. We've got Johnny Schuster and his nephew um, running around for Manly at the moment in the back row. Yep. Yep. You can tell he's a Schuster too. He looks just like his uncle. Actually, I wonder if they've made contact with Nelson Sofa Solomona. I know they were struggling to pin him down because he, so believe it or not, he's about 10 times my size, but he is my age. And he played uh, Union in Wellington and came down to a Canterbury game I didn't get selected for under 14 and a half. And this wasn't fair because he was <laughs> under 14 and a half, but he was probably just under 14 and a half stone. You know, like he was a big lad. And I hope they've pinned him down. But he's another guy who's had plenty of union uh, roots as well, I'm sure. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a story about that. I, I, in the under-15s, I was just com- coming to Auckland. The first time I made the under-15 tournament team coming to Auckland and um, we'd bust up. Then you remember the bus station down here? At the, sure. Down down yep. here, the, the centre of town, we pull up and I'm hopping off the bus and there's this guy there with a beard and he's leaning up on a po- post having a cigarette. And, and we're getting bulleted back then. And um, the, one of the mothers goes over and goes, oh, yeah, you're with him, you're with him. And, and I say to the mother, oh, whose father's that? And she goes, no, no, that's Luffy. You're playing against him tomorrow. <laughs> Under 15s, mate. And you know the worst thing about that back in those days? The Auckland, the Auckland, Auckland you know, the, the, the names that they come out and they, their names were Hurricane, Nitro, 
Hytro, you know. And he's leaning up a fence post smoking a durry. Mate, and had a beard. And had a beard. No, no word of a lie. How old was he? Well, under 15. Yeah, but. Yeah, I don't know. Probably with a, with a you know, one of those Tongan Samoan passports. Yeah. Uh, 15 forever. Fijians is the same. Well, yeah, I mean, there was a played against, just played against a couple of Papua New Guinean boys, and that they, they would. They would run I played with them. I played with Arnold Kawanti um, at Newcastle. He was a funny man and played against them up in New Guinea. And honestly, you thought you could run over them because they're only four foot tall. That, that's right. But they weigh about. They split you. They chop you in half. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. That, I, I, like, I, running, like running into a rock. And it's just something about the way they're built. They just. So the, do you know, this is. I mean, we're going way off topic here. The lads in the kitchen are thinking, what's going on? I don't know, and I don't know too much about it, but so I'm hesitant to kind of go straight into it. But Papua New Guinea being ravaged by COVID, right? Wonder what's happened to the league scene. Well, it's the national sport. Yeah, rugby league. They we played up there. I can't, can't remember the years back in the the early nineties. We played up there in a place. Oh, it'll come to me up in the highlands there. And um, we flew in. We were in, we were under curfew. We so we, we could only go to training and come back to the hotel. And we spent, dangerous. Dangerous. Um, it wasn't Moresby. That was that oh, was up in the Highlands, mate. They walked for days to get to the game. Walked. They walked for days to get to the game. It was like a football field in the middle of a hill, and like it, it, it was covered with this old wire fence. They were hanging off the fence to look at the game. You couldn't get in. You know, we were doing drills like um, smoke drills to get back into the van. And honestly, they. What year? Mate, they, what year would this have been? Oh, it's like it'd be ninety-one, probably. Wow, ninety-one. And um, they love rugby league. I mean, absolutely love the game. They and and up in the Highlands, Garoka—that's the name of the place. Um, people that came to the game, they walked for days. They'd never had any money, and at half time, they just every, every. So most of the first half, there was people in the stand, and everyone was outside. And at halftime, they opened the gates, and it was just absolutely packed from these people from the Highlands that came out to watch. So, yeah, rugby league. I, man, I don't think COVID will, will stop rugby league up there. They love rugby league up there. Yeah, it's, I guess I'm a more kind of worried about their place in into, like the world. And um, it's a beautiful country too. It's not something I know a lot about, but I know they are they are a wee way back in time. Mm. It's not it's not just like you don't think of Papua New Guinea just like another island, like one of the islands, right? Yeah, yeah. So so Dari Kuve and Arnold Kawanti, they were the two Papua New Guinean boys that were playing for Papua New Guinea at the time that came to Newcastle. Um, played a couple of first grade games. They were both wingers uh, and characters. Just, yeah, yeah. Fell on. I mean, Alan McMahon was my, my coach back then. Um, great Alan McMahon played for Balmain, played for Australia. Could kick a football. Kick, biggest biggest boot I've ever seen in either coat. Um, but he he wasn't one to suffer fools. You know right. what I mean? And Arnie Kawanti was a bit of a character. And he came to he came to the game one day. His hair was dyed blue and red. And that was before the game. He he didn't run out with dyed hair. Let me tell you, he got he copped it. He copped it from the coach to go and get goes to his hair out a couple of hours out from the game. So, um, but yeah, he's a, those those two boys. T- just typical Papua New Guineans, you know. Like you just could trust them, especially in defence. They yeah. ta- they cut you. <laughs> Mal Meninga couldn't run over them. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I've, I've seen them hurt the Parliament Guinness and Testament hurt so many people. Oh, man. Well, that's great stuff. Hey, can be, hey, look, they've come through in droves on the text machine. Double eight, double three. Nico Jones. Yeah, that's the one. Nico Jones. So I, the, what, where I stopped myself there is I started to say Nico, but then I thought, no, that's uh, Sir John Kerwin's son. 
No, Nico Jones and Nico Kerwin, two young Kiwis, and somebody, uh, Goose, reckons he's off to play with the Major League Rugby in the US, which is very exciting. He's a talented young footballer. Anyway, we digress. We're hoping to track down Paul Cole at some stage. You would have to put Paul Cole in. Now he's put New Zealand back on the map for squash, says Craig. Couldn't agree more there, Craig, about New Zealand sports personality of the year. We'll hopefully pin him down at some stage this hour. In the meantime, you want to know about characters, Kempi. Have a listen to this chat we had earlier in the year. The Under-85 National Competition, a competition New Zealand rugby's put a lot of time and effort into, was won by the South Dunedin Bushpigs. <laughs> and Thomas Grant is the inspir... Oh, Carisbrook, was it? Uh, Carisbrook Bushpigs. And their, their coach, Thomas Grant, alongside John Leslie, was one of the most inspirational characters we spoke to all year. Have a listen to this flashing back to a couple of months ago, or about a month ago, with Thomas Grant on the show. ECNC. Mate, this is an experienced coach, all but 21 years of age. How good. Let's stay with rugby, but go a bit off-roading here. Under-85s rugby in the team's inaugural season. The Carol, Carolsburg Bushpigs beat out the two-cup Bantams to win the New Zealand Barbarians Under-85 final on Saturday. It's a league. New Zealand rugby are trying hard to promote, giving smaller blokes the chance to play at a national level. Carolsbrook lads are sure to be a bit worse for wear, yeah? Following a big, mad Monday down and done. As fortunately for us, their coach Thomas Grant has kindly wiped off the dust and he's joined us now. How's the head, Thomas? How about uh, wiping off the dust? Lizzie, I'm in the hurt like a big time. Um, a lot of people <laughs> Yeah, no, it's been, a, it's been a big few days. Huge few days. Oh, man. Oh. Don't you love it when the That's coach so gets good. right in amongst it, mate? Hey, tell us about – tell us Baz, – Baz has got a question for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right, it's Baz here, mate. Hey, so you say you're still you're still in the pit and wiping off the dust in the Hurt Locker. Whereabouts are you living down there? Are you in South Dunedin still, or, or is that uh, just where the team resides from? No, I'm up in, up in Roslyn in Highgate, so – Get a look over the beautiful city, oh, which is uh, which is good enough on a on a dusty Tuesday. Oh, yeah, that's a bit not, flash not, for a twenty-one-year-old rugby manager up in yeah, Rosen. They're, they're charging is. heavy in intro level there. Well, funnily enough, the landlord's actually uh, Jimmy Lynchy, so it's it's mates mates. Um, so oh, that's oh pretty good. Jimmy, very lucky. This year. <laughs> He's a champ. He's a champ. <laughs> Where was the celebrations yeah, yeah. held? We, uh, oh, I'm trying to recap it all in my head now. As he, uh, obviously, I only jumped on the scratch about five hours ago. Um, yesterday, we're at the, the Southern Rugby Club, home of the, the Mighty Magpies. Um, oh, just Bathgate Park, sit down. get up, son. Yeah, yeah, Bathgate Park. Uh, about nine showed up, um, which was pretty expected. Um, Saturday <laughs> night, we're on the pillars of Pukakura Park um, till 4 a.m., so apologies to any public locals. Um, to all the noise. Um, I think we sang Queen We Are The Champions about 20 times on repeat. So, yeah, apologies for them. And um, Super Sunday, where was Super Sunday? Uh, I actually can't remember. I'm trying to, trying to pick it off the head. We're on the plane. Uh, we're at New Plymouth Airport. Um, a couple of boys obviously cheated off to sleep on the plane, but we got back um, and we charged on for, for a massive Super Sunday as well. So, yeah, it's, it's been a bloody big few days to this year. Um, trying to find the trophy currently. Um, I know that one of the 
one of the lads in, in the 28 squad has it. I'm just trying to find out which one that is. So uh, hopefully I can track that down relatively soon. Oh, how good. With the coaches leading the way, that's how you set an example. Follow me, son. Follow me. How good. Hey, tell no, us about yeah. this first season, bud. Tell us about this first season. You enjoy it? Oh, it's, it's been bloody fun. Um, obviously, yeah, Cool coach, but we've actually been pretty lucky to have John Leslie in, um, sort of running pretty much rugby content. Um, just I just sort of run run the cutter off the field, but John, um, yeah, he, he offered to come in and be a technical advisor, but really he's, he's coach of the pigs. So uh, he got them all humming on the field, and um, oh, it's, it's been unreal just to introduce eighty fives down here in Dunedin for the for the first time. And um, oh, I guess the cool thing for us is that we brought like eight lads back into the game that were, were sitting on the couch and not playing. So, um, you know, that, I think that's the real success story for us is that we can provide, you know, rugby to lads that don't want to play the big heavy artillery stuff, but they can come in and play some fast 85s. Yeah, yeah that's pretty cool. Bring John Leslie in. So that, what, what a great little bit of, uh, you know, offloading some to some expertise. Maybe that could yeah. filter up. Up in our uh, in our rugby world as well, but so what uh, what sort of coach are you then, Thomas? You, you talk about you like to get things together off the field, but what sort of you know what's where's your Give real strength? Pulling the boys together and you know one common goal. Yeah, I'm probably at the stage, Baz and Izzy, where I haven't actually figured out my coaching philosophy yet. Um, <laughs> I get, get I get real nervous. It works. Real nervous pre-game. Yeah, it has worked somehow. Um, I get real nervous pre-game. I was sitting beside John, uh, you know, for the whole duration of the grand final, and he was actually grabbing my arm really tight um, for the whole 80 minutes. So I was pretty surprised by how he reacted. He uh, he was real, real nervous. But oh, for me, I tried to deliver a couple of good speeches, a classic Ray Warren or two. But um, yeah, to be fair, just try to fizz up the boys more than anything. Yes, beautiful. Hey, uh, hey, mate, give us a little uh, radio. Worthy answer to this. Yeah. Bush pig. Where'd you get the name from? <laughs> Where's the name come from? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Radio yeah, Worthy. We had, uh, yeah. Radio Worthy. Yeah, no, I'll keep it. Keep the PG. Uh, we had, uh, obviously, <laughs> had, obviously had, had Karisbrook, and that's a testament to the, the history of the Dunedin Stadium. Uh, Baz, you had some great times there as a young fellow, and is he? Um, oh, yeah. But the Bush pig. We sort of went around the boys, and we had a lot of lot of different animals thrown out there. But um, it was the bush pig that stuck out for the boys. We had a vote um, in the sheds, and the bush pigs won by a landslide. Um, so I think it's been received uh, relatively well by twenty percent of New Zealand. <laughs> by about twenty percent of New Zealand. Something different. Just 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 before just before we let you go, just explain to us like the the style of play that the Carisbrook bush. Bush pigs played. Was it expansive? Was it sort of more of a pod system, or was it just a real kind Direct. of sailor v you know hail mary type of performance? Oh, John brought in the mantra of trust your pig. Um, that was his thing that he that he asked by. So whatever you take from that, um, <laughs> I I don't quite understand that. But to me, that's that's you know where you're hard on your sleeve when you're when you're on the field. You're, you're playing for your pig beside you, um, but. We did want to play a barbarian style of footy and entertain the crowd. Um, yeah, I think pretty pleased to say we scored some awesome tries and um, yeah, entertained the crowd on and off the field on on a bit of social media as well, which was Trust which was bloody awesome. Pig. Oh, 
All right. Very good. Well, we're gonna we're gonna let you go, Thomas. But congratulations, mate, on all your success as coach and all the boys there at the Harris yeah, Bush Push Pigs. Maybe you can go down to the old Kensington Tavern or maybe slide past Nanking Palace down in there in South Dunedin and pick up a nice little nine dollar Chinese takeaway to celebrate. All the very best, mate. Thanks for joining us on Bads and Izzy for breakfast here on SENZ. Fantastic, lads. Thanks very much for having me. SENZ. Oh, man. <laughs> trust your pig. What does trust your pig mean? Trust the pig beside you. No one would know. Oh, mate, that was offensive. That was a, that was a, well, Dunedin. Jesus, what did, you, what did you expect? Oh, he's loose down there, old Thomas Grant. They um they had a crack, but in the serious seriousness, under, under 85s, getting some lads off the couch that, you know, don't want to go and get thrashed by some of the bigger boys. That's exactly right. Fantastic concept. Fantastic concept. Give the give the lighter boys a go. And you know what? When you get eighty under eighty five kilos, you know that you're in that grade. They have a decent dig. Oh, and they're fit, and they yeah. go. They stay all day. Uh, Thomas Grant, one of the one of the our favourite chats from the year gone by. Kempi, I thought you'd love that one. It is twenty minutes or twenty one minutes past nine a.m. Paul Cole will be up after nine thirty. Yes, boy, cannot wait to catch up with the West Coast. Legend. We'll see him after 9.30. We're going to head off, come back with Paul Mawadi at the TAB. Right now, it's 21 minutes past nine. We're here with Chemist Warehouse. Great savings every day. With me for the week, some awesome guests. Uh, Kempe, you want to drop the news? Who do we who do we have at nine o'clock tomorrow morning? Oh, you go on, go on to a, a very good friend, Joey Johns. Um, just think it'd be good to get an update on what he's thinking, actually, going into the World Cup and back at Newcastle at the moment on the coaching stuff. Um, and... He's got a soft spot for the Warriors. Joey. Real soft spot for the Warriors. So, yeah, mate, we'll ask him some some um, rugby league questions and just get him to, to share some some knowledge. He's got plenty of it. And he's got something he's cooking up. We'll talk to him about that tomorrow. That's very exciting. After 9am, Joey Johns, all you league fans, book it in. Put it in your calendar. Right now it's time for a league live update, a TAB live update, rather. Bit live on your favourite sports with the TAB app today. And... Surprise, surprise, the bank survives again. Time flies, rolled, stops, dead in its tracks. <laughs> Paulie Moati's on the line. <laughs> he's he's and, laughing. Well, being so generous, too, we've pushed time flies out in the future. How good is that? Just for you. Yeah, $8. Come on, mate. It didn't even win. Give us a price. <laughs> Oh, Rocky Pocky, thank you. Oh, Pocky came to the rescue, God bless him. So they came for time flies, I assume? They certainly did. Uh, couldn't turn the tap off right up until the race started. So, <laughs> yeah. It, was... it gets a soft, just um, out outside the lead. It doesn't have to do bugger or work. Opie's cuddling it. And you're just thinking it's about to go whooshka, right? Yeah, we were ready to pay out. <laughs> <laughs> it's never it's never that way though, is it, with racing. It's never over till they go past that winning post. Uh hundred percent. It's brilliant. Um and we're racing at Ash Burden today. There's a couple of nice races. There's actually an interesting rating eighty down there in race number seven, um, for fifteen thousand dollars. So I'll be watching that. A couple of interesting runners at odds as well. Zelensky um hasn't been great going around lately, but Never know, could switch it back, and I am a rock down the bottom of the book as well. But, Paulie, what are we looking at as far as promotions? Uh, what have we got? Well, we've got a bonus back promotion on today's NFL match between the Chicago Bears and the Minnesota Vikings. 
uh, what that game due to start around quarter past two this afternoon. Uh, we also get a, a bit of bonus footy as well with a couple of those games uh, pushed out um, to today. So there's more than just uh, Monday night footy on t- today, uh, but the game that we've got a promotion on is the Bears-Vikings match. Currently, Bears $3.10. The Vikings at $1.33. I can tell you in the Browns-Raiders game, we've taken an $8,000 bet on the Raiders to beat Cleveland at $1.61. So $8,000 on the Raiders at $1.61 to come out as winners against the Cleveland Browns. And it looks like a matter of minutes away, we've got New Zealand's own Ben Robb, who's about to uh, hit the alley pally for the World Championship darts. He's $2.65 to win his match against Rusty Jake Rodriguez oh. at $1.41. Lovely, Paul. We've just chucked it on now, mate, so we'll be following along. Love your work. Promotions in plan. Hundreds of sports markets to choose from. Visit tab.co.nz. Please gamble responsibly. R18, Paul Moati. All right, we're shooting off to the news with Kubota. <coughs> Together we are shaping and building New Zealand. And on the other side, Paul Cole, fresh off a career year. And we're the, right now we're watching Ben Robb, the big rig, going out in front of the Ali Pally in the World Darts Championships. Another great Kiwi performing on the world stage. This morning we've been treated to it all because we were watching the Black Ball competition over in Egypt as our guy Paul Superman Cole is out there competing at the highest level in what has quickly become uh, more than a career year for our favourite West Coaster Baz and Izzy aren't here they would be absolutely stoked to have him on the show but Kempi we've managed to pin him down up there in Egypt Colsey how you doing brother? Hey mate I'm, I'm loving life thank you thank you Oh you must be buzzing man I, we saw you when you went and sat down in your little first class little digs they have there for you and you picked up your phone and just the grin Yeah man it was um it's uh I, I was it's sort of something I wanted to do for a while to win to win a squash tournament in Egypt there's so many good Egyptian squash players it was um it's tough and I'm not sure how, how well it went down with um, the people in Egypt, but I was loving it, mate. I'll tell you, it went down like a cup of sick, mate. That's exactly what it looked <laughs> like on TV, Colsey. Um, but what made the game plan? You, you smashed him. What was your, what was your game plan? Because it worked. Yeah, it was just he's, he's got an extremely good volley. So um, I was just trying to put everything over the top of his volley so he couldn't um, put any pace into the game and probably target his forehand a little bit because um, he's – his backhand's just so good. Um, it's probably the best in the world. So I was just trying to shift shift a lot and then just be aggressive when I had the opportunities. Um, obviously, you don't get many opportunities against someone like Ali. So when it comes, you just got to sort of be quite aggressive and just take take them as they come. You, can't, you don't really get too many second chances. So um, I was happy, man. Stuck to my game plan from from the first rally and got pretty tight in the third there. So I was, um, I was sweating a bit over that, but happy to close it out. Some of those rallies in the third, uh, Ali, he kind of looked like he was he, he had him rattled, but then he kind of rallied, and I think he, he kind of was thriving in the end there. And and the way when you finished it, were you glad you finished it where you did? You probably didn't want it to go much longer, right? Nah, hundy, man, because um, <laughs> the crowd was getting into it too, you know, so that was sort of lifting him up. Um, as a, uh, The first two sets were great because I sort of had a lead the whole time, and I was keeping the crowd quite silent, which was um, – which was good, but then the third, it was like so tight, and the, and you know, whenever he won a rally, you could just hear the crowd go nuts, and 
Um, I thought if this goes longer than three, it's going to get um, very spicy. So, man, I was happy to close it out in three, love, because it was going to be tough if I lost that. Yeah, Paulie, I, I, this is a, a double-ended question here. Uh, the the fitness, well, watching you watching you guys this morning, I, I was thinking, man, what sort of fitness regime does this guy? Do you have a, like a sports scientist and all that sort of stuff? And 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 if you do, did you, did you get any of that extra funding that sport um, high performance sport New Zealand handed out this year? Um, yeah, man, we do, we do a lot of, I don't have, I've got a, a personal trainer and a physio that's someone that helps me out with that. To be honest, I've done a lot of it myself. Um, squash doesn't have, you know, a lot of sports science in it. It's more, um, it's more sort of just hard work and, and just sort of working out yourself. I mean, I'm typical, like a typical a coaster. <laughs> now I've got I've got a full team around me now to be honest um, obviously you know making a bit more I can afford it now but um, yeah we did squash did get a, a big boost um, so that was great um, just for, for myself and, and the grassroots to try and try and push squash a bit more and you know get some of these young guys you know there was there's one young guy over here training in Cairo he came and watched me every day so um, it, it's great to see some more some more Kiwis abroad trying to trying to make it in squash Paul, it feels like this has been a journey with you since we came on air, started earlier in the year. Um, Baz and Izzy became massive fans. The whole station's been behind you. And on the 21st of December, to see you get up right at the end of your calendar year, uh, we're just so proud, mate. Like, how can you, and it might not have sunk in yet, but how can you put into words what this year has done for you personally and professionally? Oh, mate, um, just want to say thanks for the support as well. I always love getting the message that, you know, you boys want to speak to me. It's all, you always got great energy, so thank you. Um, oh, mate, it's been huge. Um, and just to – all my finals I've won, you know, I've beaten Ali in the final. He's obviously the world number one. So that's been huge for my confidence and just a lot of belief in my game. Um, a, a, a few finals – I made a couple of finals earlier in the year and I, I just didn't have the confidence in my game that it was good enough to get over the line. And halfway through the year I spoke to Stu Davenport and he just told me to trust in my game. And then once I got that, that sort of one win in, in the British Open, it just – I mean, everyone says it doesn't. It just launches your confidence through the roof. So um, I had a lot of trust in my game that it was good enough and I didn't have to, to change anything when I played these big boys. I could just sort of get my game plan down packed and then it was all about execution and just trusting in my game. Well, you you climbed the ranks today, mate. You put your name back out there. And, and we've, we've had a bit on the show this morning about father-sons. And is it is it right when you're not quite father-son, but your uncle's Tony Cole from the West Coast, the, the great rugby league player? Yeah, mate, he's uh, he's my uncle, so he was one of my role models growing up. Um, probably one of the toughest guys I've ever met. <laughs> yeah, so he, he obviously got a lot of advice for you. Yeah, he actually um, he, he trained me for a while in terms of fitness. Um, when I was still back on the coast and going back there, obviously, I idolised him growing up, and he was you know he, he sort of took me out and, and did a bit of fitness stuff with me a few runs, and um, yeah, he's still pushing me at fifty, is still keeping up with me, you know. So it was. Um, was yeah, it was great to to sort of have his his advice and his his just just be around him, man. He was he was so tough and he would just never give anything. So um, you know, just tried to learn a bit off him. Hey, uh, Colsey, we'll let you go, mate, because obviously you want to just go and celebrate. Or you might be locked up with that tomato pasta. But I had a con- on the tomato pasta. Here's a connection. Somebody texted the show and said, "Has anybody made the link? Paul Cole playing in the Black Ball Open and the famous Black Ball on the coast out of Greymouth, Black Ball Hilton, Black Ball Salami." And I don't know what was going on here. I've googled it. Black Ball Salami. Apparently, it's a pretty famous West Coast salami product. Have you ever heard of it? Yeah, mate. I, went, I used to go up there when I was a, a young boy. I had family up there, so we used to make some uh, 
trips up to Black Bull, it's um, <laughs> slightly different to um, the Black Bull over here, but yeah, there's definitely a link there, mate. <laughs> there you go. So maybe you could get some of that sent over. Stick it with your tomato pasta. Hey, um, from the whole of SCNZ, man, congratulations. What's uh, What does the new year look like? Do you guys have tournaments right through, or do you get a break and get to head back to um, where, you, where you reside? It's the Netherlands, isn't it? And um, park yeah, up. Yeah, I'm, but... I'm heading. Sorry, mate. Yeah, I'm heading back there tomorrow. Um, have Christmas there, and we, man, we just got some some news that it sounds like we're supposed to have a real big tournament in January, but it sounds like with this new COVID variant that that's going to be cancelled. So that's a bit of a bugger. Um, but yeah, it's sort of it's tough now, man. Like we're supposed to have one 13th of January, but it sounds like it's going to be cancelled. So probably nothing till February. So probably a quiet New Year. Yeah, quiet as. All right, you enjoy you enjoy yourself, mate. You uh, go and celebrate well. And again, couldn't couldn't be proud of it off your brother. So well done, and uh, we'll catch up in the new year when Baz and Izzy are back. Yeah, congrats, mate. Thank you, boys. Love it. Thanks so much. Paul Cole, what a champion, Kimpy. He's he's just won one of the biggest tournaments of his life in Egypt. It might not be as big as the British Open that he won earlier in the year, but he's done it in the absolute snake pit. And uh, picks up the phone and dials in. He just loves his, he loves New Zealand. He's so proud of where he's come from. Of course, mate. And and yeah, the great great bit of that part about that story is Tony Cole's still training with him. Yeah, the old boy. The old boy's still giving him the giving him the tips. Unreal. Ben Rob is up. He's da- he's got two legs each in the first uh, first to three to get a set up in his World Championship darts match over there against our Jake Rodriguez. We've got Kiwis everywhere. Just because it's summer doesn't mean the sport stops. There's so much to get through. Stephen McIver's in from 9am this morning. Kimpy, here, Kimpy and Louie here on your summer breakfast. We'll be back to get some of your messages. Double eight, double three. Paul Cole. Can anybody put into words what he has done this year? We're so proud of him back here in New Zealand. Send us a message. We'll be back after this. Let's go to the big rig. I remember when we got him on the program well, one morning way back and he had the kids going and they'd been up vomiting all morning and he got he, and he just he was just as kiwi as they come anyway double eight double three is your text line throughout the day here on SCNZ and um, we were talking about Papua New Guinea and their connection to rugby league and Shane from Auckland's come through with one here Kimpy yeah Gene Stanley you remember him oh vaguely yeah Gene Stanley good good footballer um, playing up in the Queensland Cup so thanks Shane for that yeah obviously the best Best um, kid running around at the moment is Justin Nolan for Melbourne in the centres. Hey, so you know how you're talking about short and just cut, mm. cut you. He's a bit of that, isn't he? Oh, no, he's the mold. The mold don't change up in New Guinea. They don't. They don't make him six foot six and built like Sonny Bill Williams, mate. They're built no. just like. Justin Nolan, you know, and Gene Stanley, you stand them stand side by side, mate. They look like gnomes in your garden. <laughs> and he just cut you. Um, yeah, great text, Shano. Appreciate that. How's this? Under 85s, off the back of our replay with Thomas Grant. Trust, True story. Trust your pig. Pretty much a bunch of loose forwards running around, mandatory for at least two players to start at centre or second five and end up in the front row within five years footy. They hit each rung on the way down the ladder, go from 12, <laughs> 9, 8, 6, then depending on height, either second or front row, them up the mighty Maris Bulldogs, Hamilton Maris since 2002. Oh, you should have left your... Name there, lad. That is an unreal message because that is how it works, Kimpy. Well, yes. What What are you going to be? Eighty five kilos in the front row. You're eighty five kilos on the wing. It doesn't really matter in that grade, does it? Yeah. So I'm I'm not really worried about the eighty five kilos. I'm worried about the height. Like, where do they get the height 
you know, for jumping for a line out or something like that. Well, it's pretty, you know, because like, the, the taller you get, well, Hamish Bond would be, Hamish Bond would be about to get a hiding. Yeah, he's six foot. I reckon he can find them. Remember a bloke called Garrick Morgan? Right, Carmo. Garrick Morgan played <laughs> played back row for Australia. He's decent bloke, Garrick. Like a really, really good dude. And uh, I got to play with them up at the Queensland Crushers. They signed him mm. off, out, out of the Australian team. I told him he came off the field one day. He's playing reserve grade. I told him, I said, mate, you need to develop a step. He just got an absolute hiding. Just like, smacked he six, himself. Six foot seven, <laughs> tough as nails, but wasn't built for rugby league. He ran straight. And, of course, back in those days, boys knew how to hit. And you'd, every time you got hit, you, you'd feel it on the sideline. So, yeah, not not always your best asset, that's, having height. That's disturbing. And... Um, one more has come through here. I really hope Paul Cole gets the recognition he deserves from High Performance Sport New Zealand and possibly the Hellbergs. What an amazing achievement, legend. Again, leave your name there because that's a great text. He is up for Hellberg Sports Person of the Year or Sportsman of the Year, which means he's up and eligible for the Supreme Hellberg. Um, Gut says he won't get it because that's not the way the Hellbergs work. But <laughs> That's right. But the, but the point is he easily could be. And this is why the Hellbergs is one of the biggest headaches in New Zealand sport because we're comparing apples and oranges where there's a bunch of athletes that deserve to be recognised. You know who won't go close? He won't run the furlong close? James McDonald. Whereas you look at the money he's generated for himself and what he's been able to achieve winning a Melbourne Cup, uh, Everest. You know, he's the number one jockey in the world now objectively, and do you think he'll go in a furlong? Not even near Kimpy. I'm actually catching up with one of the, um, what do you call them, the, do you call them a judge? Panellist, I think. Panellist. I'm actually catching up with one of them blokes today, later on today. I'll ask him the question, why wasn't J-Mac at the top of the list? Well, he is nominated, and look, I could have gone early here, but that, again, it's just my gut. Uh, Ian Jones and his career, lads, wasn't a 100kg lock, eh? There you go. Um, he's the Maris Bulldogs boy. So that's what I was thinking. And remember, some of those battles in South Africa, Carmo just stood up to them. And, and he was, again, ticker, you can't see the size of your heart on the inside. That's what Baz always says, and probably because he's as he says, also vertically challenged. But you can't see the size of your heart from the outside. All right, we are nine minutes away from 10 a.m. We're going to be back on the other side. It's been an absolute pleasure to be here this morning. And uh, Stephen McIver will let us know what he's got coming throughout the day to 2 p.m.